Kia crew. Uh, just a quick heads up with this episode, Dion and I recorded the majority of this episode during lockdown in 2021 and between now and then a lot had changed in our lives. Uh, so have a listen past the traditional enders where we talk about some free ride competitions you should be checking out and talk about some fallen brothers. Cheers crew, enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony, and today with us we have Dion Newport, welcome Dion. Thank you Tony, thanks for having me here. Well it's good to have you on, first of all I just want to take this opportunity just to um, crush some opinions that might happen about the first skier on the Side Hit Podcast, if you're out there being like, oh my god there's a skier on there, um, I've got a couple of uh, things to, to worth thinking about, first of all just shut up and listen. <laughs> and uh, second of all, just shut up and listen. <laughs> we keep it real here on the side hit. <laughs> yeah, I've, I definitely feel a little bit controversial being a skier uh, on the side hit podcast, but I did snowboard at one point in my life, and a lot of my friends say that I'm a snowboarder trapped in a skier's body. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep it real. <laughs> mm, mm, well, it's not often we get a uh, free ride world tour head judge on here, so welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back in town, and uh, yeah, stoked to be on the on the podcast. Sweet. Well, uh, we'll kick it off. Uh, Dion, where are you from, and how did you get into um, snowboarding and mountain life? Uh, so I'm from the east coast of the North Island, a little town called Napier. Uh, grew up surfing and skating as we do. Um, my parents and my brother used to go up to Mount Ruapehu, uh, ski a lot at Whakapapa. Definitely not a racing family or a serious mountain family at all. Just start going out for a couple of weeks a year and having a good time and not knowing what we're doing. Um, wasn't until sort of leaving high school time. Did an adventure tourism course, struggling in life at that point, bit of depression, not really knowing where to go, and got sent to Wanaka on work experience, and that's where I met you and mm. all my good friends that converted me to the mountains. Oh, sweet, yeah, about the year 2000, if I remember rightly. Certainly was, yeah, yeah 2000. And Cadrona, so you, well, if I remember right, you showed up with a crazy banana or something thereof. Yeah, I turned up with my crazy banana snowboard and a pair of... I think they were one eight nine, Alan para, the first parabolic ski. <laughs> so I had one pair of boots to be able to do both. <laughs> Came down with it as a confused teenager and uh, uh, didn't really know what I was doing. And yeah, went home with a pair of twin tips at the end of that. Actually, oh, sweet. <laughs> so how did the uh, switch from snowboarding to skiing sort of happen? Uh, well, snowboarding obviously I was on a crazy banana and riding at Ruapehu, and that's limiting in its own. Um, so I didn't really know what I was doing on a board. It was just that sort of surf skate background and came to <coughs> Wanaka and worked at Cadrona with you guys, met, uh, Martin Jillings and Jake McCleary and, uh, yeah, kind of saw these guys going backwards on skis and wanted to try that as well. And my feet are really big. I've got size 13 feet. So uh, yeah. I got the hell toe and heel drag on any board back then and got yeah. God, but struggled. So. Yeah, wide boards back then totally sucked too. I oh, just get that. It was like yeah. 30 seconds to get from edge to edge almost. 
Mm. Yeah, so that's that, that, that was my that was my conversion. Mm. Yeah. And there'll be a few collectors wondering if you still have that crazy banana. Certainly do, bro. Yeah, nice. yeah. I uh, I do try and get on a snowboard at least every couple of years as well to really keep that soul of 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 being able to do everything on the mountain as well because mm. that's how I feel that we all express each ourselves in a in a different unique way. Mm. Well, it was pretty crack up back then. Um, in those sort of early Cadrona days, if I remember rightly, your Nissan Bluebird had the uh, record for the furthest up the hill on McDougal's ski run or something. Can you lighten, lighten <laughs> us a bit more about that? Yeah, good old, good old days of no social media and being able to get away with stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, certain, uh, certain personality up Cadrona convinced me to... Uh, Give her a go. <laughs> Closing day at Cardi's. Was, was that the personality with the unique haircut? Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Lo- lovely person. Of course it's, they did. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, yeah, we definitely could get away with a bit more back then, and it was a sort of solid day, and the, the old front-wheel drive Bluebird was pretty good at getting up the Cadrona Road with no chains, so we gave her a little wee nudge and got up to where the baby park is and did a couple of donuts and... <laughs> Came back down. Didn't make it to the top. I didn't want to make anyone <coughs> mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good old days. Oh, sweet. I think that uh, maybe you and Straight might have beaten that record, but only just. Oh, I think Night Staff had already. Night Staff, <laughs> I think yeah. they've been lapping Cadrona for a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Kyle had a pretty funny story about them doing that at Night Staff and then driving the car down the mini pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing surprises me about <laughs> early is, days of Cadrona yeah, at all. This yeah. is obviously well before Ali started shaping the pipe there, because Jesus. Oh man, if you've got a car in that now, hooey, you should get, should get airborne. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. So that was pretty interesting though, um, like sort of watching, well I associate you and Marty and Jake from an outside looking in, is that first generation of skiers that sort of adopted to like rails and switch riding and eventually what we were doing on snowboards. And I swore that whenever I was riding with you guys that the fucking older generation of skiers hated you guys more than they even hated us as snowboarders and shit. Yeah, you're pretty much bang on there, mate. It was a, uh, a case of a new thing and people don't like change very much. So, yeah, to see skiers dressing different and trying to copy snowboarders and trying to steal their tracks and... A quote from Jake McCleary, stealing their tricks and their girls. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, there was a lot of uh, repercussions of, not repercussions, but a lot of bad looks at us. Um, certain people didn't like the fact that, yeah, we dressed a little different and skied differently as well. And uh, I definitely got told by a couple of people in the industry that I wouldn't really make it. Um, my attitude wasn't quite where it should be in that point in, a, in the ski industry. Oh, right. Yeah. Was that, uh, I rem- vaguely remember that. So I think we were neighbours at the caravan park come home saying, you know, certain individual told me I had no future in the ski industry. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was back. I did the poly course doing my stage one and um, avalanche and also ski instructing. And, yeah, I wasn't like quite up to standard of skiing that I needed to to pass my stage one. I was good enough in the park, but technically I wasn't really good at skiing. So the yeah, I definitely got told mm. told I wasn't going to be what I wanted to be. 
Funnily so, enough, I never got my instructor sticker out of that either. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and look at me now. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to go back a year, back in the year 2000, um, <clears throat> what was your first impression of when you showed up to Kadrona? Oh man, I was, I was like wide-eyed, young kid, long dreadlocks, uh, t- turned up on work experience and I was in a backpackers for the first couple of weeks. That first weekend was a cross-dressing party, so it was a, it was a dress party. Oh, that's right. <laughs> which yep. I, was, I was quite shy and quite timid, and wearing a dress was from East Coast, North Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little worried about <laughs> how this was going to go. But uh, yeah, wild party, pretty tame at the start, and then uh, yeah, things got very, very loose very, very quickly. Quick, uh, quick little yarn. We, I remember, I remember uh, standing with a couple of individuals, the old mountain manager back then, who doesn't work there anymore, and uh, that, another that person, that personality with good hair, mm. uh, decided to. Start throwing pies into the air, air fan, <laughs> into the fan from the roof, and so I remember them doing that the year later as well. Yeah, I wasn't there that year. I took a year <laughs> off parties that year, but that first year, we, we all, it all got pretty shut down pretty quickly. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, mm. the old food fights and the old too many too many spates scenario, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, well, I remember that dress party because I was living in the caravan park alone with like most of the Kadrona lifting crew and shit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we were all in that communal kitchen all wearing dresses fucking pre-gaming <laughs> and this touring rugby team must must be staying there as well and a whole bunch of rugby dudes came in to use the kitchen just took one look at like fucking 50 of us all getting rowdy wearing dresses and just turned around and fucking walked back out <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh, what an ideal spot to pre-game too because it was right next door oh yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, and there was just like this tornado of dress-wearing people just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man, see, I, I totally forgot about them throwing the pastries into the... I remember it the second year around because everyone started doing it. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, funnily enough, no one kept doing it. It was just... No one knew where it came from because <laughs> it was me, the mountain manager, <laughs> and a really, like, reasonably important person up there, and... Mm. So they didn't think we they, we were doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every few minutes, there'd be another pie across the room. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember the the year after, like it was Fraser it was a workshop dude. He's like, "Hey, Tony, check this out." I was like, "What?" And he threw, he grabbed my pastry out of my hand and chucked it in the fan. And I'm like, "That's amazing! Get some more." Yeah. And then. Yeah, off to the races, the whole party went. Yeah. I think there was like an inch thick of like pastry and meat on the floor by the end of the night. Yeah. And that, <laughs> folks, is why Kadrona can only go to Luggett. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, right. Is that Harwood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's only Harwood now, sorry. Yeah, yeah the, the gauntlet got put down by the Luggett locals um, after the last one we had there. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even that rowdy, that one. Yeah. But, yeah. Ah, people are soft nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Can't party like you used to. <laughs> Oh shit! And then um, the tire rolling—were you part of that as well? Yeah, definitely had a had a had a year or two of rolling tires off the uh, off the bluff there on the way down Kadrona. Mm. It was again the old staff the old staff party at the end of the end of the season. Mm. Um, I don't th- I don't think I was there the one where the camper van was driving up. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that. I yeah. don't think I was there for that one. I think I've just heard that story, but it's. It's like I can envision it because mm. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah that was a gnarly story because mm, that was 
I think that was Rusty let that tyre go. Right, yeah, yeah. And then, because we thought we were all clear, right, it was hours after. Yeah. And then from bouncing down, we're like, yay, tyre. And then this camp van comes in and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not just rolling tyres. It's like 200 vertical. <laughs> yeah. And it bounced on the road like five or ten foot in front of the camper and boom, boom. kept going. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> Again, rowdy, rowdy days of Cardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, not so uh, family-friendly back then. <laughs> well, I've got some pretty funny pictures I've dug up of women. 2003 when we threw the car off Capel's Bluff you're right yeah and uh and that's pretty funny too to see like all of us holding this cable that cable up and Bogan Dave's in the Land Cruiser smashing this bloody thing (laughs) and then until it went Yeah. Oh, oh, we look forward to the uh, to the to the side hit photo book then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that might have to be a future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, so, um, riding wise, we've gone on quite a tangent there. So yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, get used to it. We're going to go on a few more as well. Um, who were the crew that you're riding with back then? In this this sort of time. Uh, it was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jake McCleary was like kind of leading the way. He was definitely the the backflip mute grab master. Um, Marty Jillings, um, he was also yeah massive pioneer in the sport back then. Mm. Um, early days of doing the first rodeos, and he was the Wales boys' first coach, wasn't he? He certainly was, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Marty was uh, by far the most qualified. Uh, ski coach there was on the planet actually he was oh, yeah. full cert examiner and we actually all wrote the manual for the free style um yeah manual book for new zealand right um marty was definitely a driving force of that obviously because he was the um the examiner but jake and i yeah and a few other guys uh brad prosser and a few others all had input into this and um yeah it was pretty it was pretty incredible um, like just pioneering uh we, we had a, a few other guys uh jimbo who's a really good snowboarder with us mm. um uh obviously you tony you're <laughs> obviously shredding with us the whole time that was our snowboard influence trying, trying to keep up yeah 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 uh, i still don't put my bindings on sitting down because of you guys yeah well, yeah, well <laughs> when, we, when you're lapping carties and uh and snow park yeah. <laughs> it's not very much vert yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, obviously, uh, Victoria Beatty as well was a oh, yeah. huge, huge part of the, the the early days. She was by far number one female skier on the planet, um, mm. pioneering tricks as well. Uh, there was also Dave Kidston, who was a really big part of our first sort of photos and images that, that Jake and the guys were getting. And there was a bit of a hellraiser, that guy too. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Left awake of destruction. Yeah, got some, got some good stories about Dave. Of <laughs> <laughs> all those guys, actually. <laughs> Do uh, I need to change this to an R18 recording? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely if we're talking about Dave anyway. He's, mm. he's settled down a bit now, he's over in Aldi. But, mm. uh, and, and then obviously, uh, and then there's Bon Tuck as well. Takashi Nakahara, who was a uh, stunt nugget back in the day, just mm. sending all sorts and. Mm, dropped some big fucking cliffs that guy yeah he certainly did he was Miles Holden's stunt stunt man so mm. oh, yeah, it's interesting you brought up Tori I totally forgot about her and how how much like fuck she was like in this time the best yeah but right? for sure like, man there was like barely barely a girl able to keep up like, with her who would have her contemporaries been if any oh, um 
Mel, Mel, oh sorry, Pip Simmons back, Pip back Simmons. in the day. Yeah, right. she, yeah, she was right up there with her as well. Um, n- yeah, not to take away from the other girls that were that were doing really well in the industry, but mm. Tori was just such a driving force in New Zealand with early days Snow Park, and she was really good friends with um, with Jossie and the Wells when Jossie was blonde here and playing the violin outside New World. Oh yeah. So she, she skied a lot with those guys, and um, yeah, a lot of a lot of just pioneering at the start. And, mm. and and she's been a driving force with me with judging over the years as well. Um, I've always said that Tori's my my my, my right hand woman for judging. She's always been there, always been learning, getting more experience, and now she's going to be the the next Olympic judge next year in Beijing. So mm. congrats to Tori. Yeah, because um, fucking how gnarly was that bullock bar shit? Oh, oh yeah, way to. That was like heartbreaking was for, for for not only Tori but for the whole like all our, all our crew just to watch her go down there. That, mm. It was a it was a sketchy uh, rail jam, and the, the actual scaffold setup was fine. It was just the landing. It was just down rail to flat concrete with mm. some snow on it. So it was just like a, a disaster waiting to happen. Really, there was no training, mm. and uh, yeah, poor Tori was trying to spin off the rail and just didn't get round and landed 90 and blew her ACL on landing and, and then a, a bit of a mess up by the by the poor Ambos and accidentally blew the other one at the same time. Oh, double was, ACL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was WACL. I'm sorry I forgot that wrong, Tori, but uh, yeah, she it was a it was pretty much a career ender for her, unfortunately. And mm. um, not n- like in the park world anyway. She came up later and then quali- almost qualified on the free ride world tour by, by doing by doing a season of the qualifiers and uh, yeah, she's and she was one of the funniest coaches I think you ever seen at Sochi. Who I, I can't remember the girl she was coaching, Australian girl, uh, a seagull. Uh, Anna Seagull. Anna Seagull. Yeah, Seagull. Yeah, yeah. And she was constantly like, "Who's this person photobombing Anna Seagull? <laughs> oh, that's her coach." <laughs> The most puntery photo bombs and shit as well. Definitely, and, yeah. Right. Tori's got such a great sense of humour, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to to be there with her actually. And um, in Sochi, it was it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was good times. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, still in the early days. Um, I remember rightly about two thousand two. You guys were on Matai Road with um, fuck. We had snowfall in town. You guys had the meanest quarter pipe. Oh yeah, action yeah. going on. Oh, the A-frame on Matt Eye. Wow, that's uh, it's bringing back some memories. Mm. <laughs> that was that was that was an intimidating flat to live in. Actually, we had uh, double pool tables, so we got pretty frothy on the old. Uh, oh, there were thirteen of us living in an A-frame. Oh yeah, so it was like just carnage. Uh, it was one day a week you wanted dinner so it was just a, t- a five kilo sack of potatoes that someone would turn up with because we had two deep fryers oh, yeah. and then two boxes of spates and that was dinner for the night <laughs> every night like <laughs> and tomato sauce and bread obviously standard um, <laughs> oh man so it, was, it was a pretty hectic one and we had that massive quarter pipe uh, that we built in the front yard with this uh, uh, like a apocalypse snowfall of five centimetres in town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we went around rolling up giant balls of snow and bringing them home on a trailer and made, built this quarter pipe against Dave Kidston's car. That was the base of the quarter pipe. And, uh, yeah, held up for a few days. It was a good hoar frost for a couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, we did some good photo sessions on that. Mean. Yeah. 
And because um, what Julian Hayes, uh, he got a sick shot of a crippler on that. It yeah. was so sick. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, shit, that's a Wanaka name that uh, hasn't been heard for a while. Yeah, man, we write a lot with Julian as well. Like mm. again, like we there wasn't real. There was a bit of a divide with the ski and board back then, but it was uh, like the people that knew what was happening and actually writing well and doing things. We all got along fine. There was no issues. Mm. It's just those kooks in the industry that really ruin it for everyone else. Just that fries off the division almost. Totally. Eh? New, new kids on the block, just fresh faces, think they know what they're doing because they're watching movies and blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Not to sound like an arrogant old cock, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Tim, Tim Jackways was like just just getting the big... I think it was a big front side ears he was doing on that indies, like almost like alley-oop. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was like super right. nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a sketchy setup. It was actually because it was a building site beside us, so you were we were dropping out of the shell of a house <laughs> onto a sketchy like one millimeter deep snow run <laughs> to mm. this car quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's Tim though, isn't it? Like he's that dude. Like I think Will says it in his episode. Like he can go and do a fucking flat down flat or whatever and then go hark and flip out of a pipe and then free ride tc yeah yeah exactly yeah incredible all-terrain rider yeah 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 so this flat like there was quite a few colorful characters there right oh oh man it's a, it's a tough one we had zinni living with us from holy shit yeah bro we had, oh, um, right. <laughs> uh jake marty dave uh oh dave's cousin what's her name i can't remember her name sorry um, George was with us as well. She survived the whole season. There was an American couple out in the. Oh, that's right. Yeah, out the um, back. Can't remember their names. Well, no, Tracy was. Tracy, Mary, yeah. She's Australian, but she's oh, Australian to a dude. Yeah, yeah, he was a sepo, and he, yeah. he, 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 that that all blew apart that year. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, and uh, who else? And me and. Oh, Jimbo was there as well, and me and Jimmy lived in the garage downstairs <laughs> in a concrete garage. It was such a cold, yeah. I live next mm. to the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, it was pretty even, eh, because it was, like, really, really a lot of characters in there. So mm. I'd say Dave, maybe. Mm. Dave is probably the wildest out of everyone. Mm. Jake and Marty were definitely, like, they were kept dying to hear all the time. And <laughs> we were, like, sacrificial burning skis in the Kent fireplace, built-in fireplace into the wall. Oh, and free, Freestyle wheelbarrowing, that's when the export that's gold right. ad was out. So we were trying to get free export all the time and, like, sending videos in of us, like, coming up with new tricks with wheelbarrows. And, like... <laughs> Doing varials and stuff, like back and front flips with yeah. wheelbarrows. So gnarly. We took some. I remember walking around the corner and seeing Jimbo doing that. It's like, fuck, you guys are taking this way too seriously. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there were definitely some like shit. handles to the guts and nuts. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, pretty heavy. And then that, that led us into the pool, pool comps. And that was back when it was, uh, I think it was 150 cash and 150 bar tab, first place at, at, at Shooters. Oh, yeah. And then 50 50 for second. Right. So we had 14 of us, and it was only like 24 people that would get into the pool comp. So we'd just go down and get all our names in, yeah. and we're pretty guaranteed to get some free beer for the night. So, yeah, someone was <laughs> going to get to the to the final. <laughs> <laughs> and if there was two of us in the final, we'd just throw it. <laughs> just sink the white and go get the beer. <laughs> 
So no, I never f- was left with all balls on top of the table. No, nah, definitely not. No, 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 Good fun, good fun. Those times are fun. <laughs> so about this time, snow parks started cropping up. So I remember like um, hearing about it in 2002, but it's like, oh, but you can't go up because it's close to public and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember the first time we went up there in 03, we're just like that super pipe, like, holy fuck. Yeah, what a something. What a feeling like, driving around that corner into the yeah. snow park uh, car park. It was just something else. Mm. I only got to sneak up there once when it was the closed area because Jake and Marty, uh, yeah, Jake and Marty were the big ones up there shaping the first sort of rails with the hay bales back when the first first crew were up there. Um, so I only got to hit a rail once or twice. Um, mm. It wasn't until that first year in O two, wasn't it, when they opened? Oh three, sorry. Oh three for public, yeah, when they opened yeah. to the public, and uh, I. Jake was the main coach and I came in as well for a bit of part-time coaching I'm pretty sure it might have been 2003 actually but mm. um, yeah there wasn't much going on up there with coaching wise for the first couple of years it was pretty oh, yeah. it was just a bit it was just raw and they didn't really know what to do and it was just a t-bar and a few jumps and yeah. quarter pipe and just seats and it just grew from there mm. shit I remember when it was a t-bar it was a fucking you do an eight-hour shift and it was like doing an eight-hour shift. Oh yeah, you knew about it, eh? With that yeah. T-bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't long, but it was it was just as tough going up as what it was going down. Mm. Especially, I'd say for a snowboard. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean that that place. I mean, it was so many people's. I guess, for lack of a better word, unless someone's got one, like proving grounds or st- stomping grounds, it it grew so much. Oh, out of there, right? Well, if it wasn't for Snowpark, I, I, it was such a pivotal point in mm. in the industry. Like it was such a turning point and in, in progression. Mm. It was like a progression park. Like, that's what it was. It was just phenomenal. New tricks getting done every day. Mm. New pros coming every day. Like, because I mean, I remember in '03 when we went there, we we're like, "Wow, this is miles ahead of what Cadrona's got going on." Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. that was a major part of mm. the of the progression of parks around the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like shit, this is serious. Yeah, these guys are getting noticed. Yeah, and we need to do this because that's where all the kids go. Yeah, and then for, <laughs> for about a decade, Snow Park and Cadrona were leapfrogging each other in progression. Yep, for sure. For yep. a long time. Yeah, Cardi's are stepping up their pipes. They were getting a bit of pipe shape shapers coming in. They were bringing internationals in. Like it was all that mm. big and big international influx yeah 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 and maybe it would have happened without snow park but it would have happened so much slower and i just don't think the 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 progression of park shaping wouldn't have been as fast i don't Mm. think it's a pity because like snow park that was it was so important for us in our industry Mm. and at that time but imagine what it could have been now yeah, like I mean, it, like the money making I mean out of it mm. because back then it was just about progression and what the sport was and helping everything happen and mm. we had a bloody good time doing it with a lot of loose stuff yeah. but now if it was still open they'd be able to rent that to international teams that are training mm. they could be charging hundreds of thousands of dollars for that mm. but they're almost a decade ahead of their time exactly bro mm. yeah 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 because mm. I think even uh, Snow Park's influenced I think Diggs was saying like Remarks Park's like Hundred percent. They started being like, "Fuck, we've got to do something over here." Because look at that. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's when the burden stash got built. Mm. It was was during the snow park times. Mm. It was because they were like, "Shit, we've got to do something." Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. and um, so if I remember rightly, it was uh, something about a session on the wall ride with the Jackways boys. Oh yeah, yeah, that was. Did, 
Definitely one of my highlights actually of Snow Park was the uh, was the old giant wall ride next to the quarter. That only lasted a couple of seasons, unfortunately, because of some very high winds over a summer one year um, <laughs> and not quite being anchored right. But uh, yeah, it was uh, the Jackways boys were both just on fire this day and like doing all sorts of crazy vari- variations of rock and roll. And it, yeah, I, was, I, I used to be a bit of a vert skater back in Hawke's Bay and used to i just loved rock and roll so i mm. decided if, oh, i wonder if you could do that on skis so i was just doing sort of surfer layback ones so dragging my hand behind my head and back on the wall and getting my tips right over the top and uh yeah jake was doing sort of alley-oop slidey ones and i'm not sure if it was tim or will but someone got was stalling too hard and fell off the back <laughs> About it's, it's about, quite a drop down too. It's all the ten feet to flat. Yeah, <laughs> it was a classic Jackways. Probably jumped up and laughed it, laughed it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and walked away. But <laughs> yeah, there were some heavy sessions out there. Um, mm. Obviously, they got more and more heavy later in the times. But mm. the early days, it was just it was just really fun, and we were just having a good time and and enjoying life. Really, yeah, it was. Mm. I mean, that's kind of a good scene for how I feel the early to mid-2000s was. Like, you've got this feature in the park, and maybe it set the blueprint for kind of how things are now. You've got this feature in the park, and you've got, like, two guys standing sideways, two guys standing forwards, sessioning the same thing, Mm. and, like, firing each other up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because back then you were making, the park shapers were making different jumps. So it was like, if it was a skier day, it would be a bit more kicky. Mm. And if it was a snowboarder day, it would be a bit more flat, so they can sort of do those, like do those cars without catching an edge. Mm. And we didn't need that as skiers. It, it just actually kicked us higher and just sent us, made us fall out of the sky more because it was all step downs mm. rather than true tables back then. Um, so yeah, it was it was a fascinating time, eh? Um, j- just that yeah, the ski and board can yeah. do the same thing. Because I think that was maybe the close to the probably wasn't the first era but like you, there would be sideways glances from certain people mainly like the weekend warriors and whatnot like oh my god that's you know that they were still stuck in the straight ski era yeah definitely you know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and whereas like you see that now and people don't even think twice about it it's rad it's how it should be and, yeah yeah, yeah and definitely it's kind yeah. of I don't know, and maybe I'm being a bit self-congratulatory here, but I think that was sort of started around that early snowpark era when you would see that shit. Yeah. Well, it was also it was that post-era of uh, pipes being banned to skiers as well. Oh, it, yeah. it, it had just been changed, so mm. it was only just happening. and So we were standing in the same pipe, mm. skier, border, skier, border, so, and we were all dropping individually and doing mm. the same thing that's slightly different. And... Um, like we all call things similar things, but I remember another really good session was uh, we were doing a flat down rail, and it was a new flat down that they'd built, and so it was quite a long flat and really wide takeoff to it. It was like a new progressional sort of mm. feature, and we were trying to hit it as far wide as we could, and we call it a disaster, so like mm. over the top and to the side. But we were getting to the point where it was almost forty five degree like angle to come in to hit it, mm. and it was pretty heavy hits onto the rail and we were like yeah this is so sick and I was do- it was me and Beanie challenging each other and uh, and then Jossie just rolls up and goes 2-7 and just stomps the shit out of it and rides away and we were like uh 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 
<laughs> oh right oh this is why it's a progression rail <laughs> so, so was, was that a sign of the new um the you guys maybe becoming the old guard and the new guys coming up sort of thing that was definitely when we knew that the kids were going to be the ones like because we were all like in our early 20s so mm. yeah, yeah and we didn't have that progression at an eight-year-old so yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 we definitely knew at an early time that yeah especially because it was jossie and yeah. his just natural raw talent mm. yeah, yeah, yeah i mean he was uh i remember seeing him at the skate park and he was um, even back then like a really good skateboarder oh yeah like, man if this guy could get on the snowboard too he'd be quite something and then lo and behold he gets on the snowboard and holy shit yeah, he's, <laughs> he's rather good pretty fucking good <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah j-dub is uh like massive massive shout outs to to jossie he uh wow has he paved the way for so many new zealand park skiers like mm. if it wasn't for jossie making a name for himself our little country may not have ever become what mm. it is as well and i think uh, chris rogers had a good point a few years ago when uh, it's come up somehow but he's like yeah jossie's done a lot not just for skiers but for competitive snowboarders in new zealand too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah he yeah, he has. Yeah, most definitely. Well, yeah. you just look at his pro, his his invitational, and mm. pff, not to be rude, but some of the bigger names are snowboarders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yep. And um, I mean, shit. And uh, if anyone wants to know more about sort of the skiers being banned from the half pipes, have a li- have a listen to his bomb hole episode. He describes that really well. Yeah, right. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was real cool. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. You know, we we're sort of talking about sort of the gap being bridged a little between the ski and snowboard fraternity and uh, oh i hate that word sorry um <laughs> but uh um, community community yeah <laughs> um spy sort of mentioned that and i didn't even know about this in the 2005 snowboard nationals that he was like to the skiers well come join us you're doing the same shit anyway right yeah, yeah spy was saying that and to the like, skiers yeah yeah, 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 yeah i think yeah. there was something along the lines because they didn't you know, at the time, New Zealand snowboarding community had the nationals, which was slopestyle and halfpipe and yada, 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 mm-hmm. and all that shit. And the free ski community didn't have something like that set up yet. So no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, come join. Yeah, not in the 90s, I don't think. All, all we really had back then was hot dogging and extreme skiing. Mm. So there wasn't really much in between. Mm. Um, <clears throat> well, we'll get back to snowpipe for a second. Because mm-hmm. it was such a huge pivotal um, moment in international snow riding yep. time. It certainly um, was. How, uh, if you were to summarise Snowpark for today's listeners, how would you summarise it? Um, oh, it's a really tough one. Uh, I'll use an analogy actually that Sam Lee himself said about Snowpark. It's like holding on to a juvenile dragon's tail and trying to control it. Is <laughs> <laughs> how Sam Lee, oh, the manager um, and owner, described it. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping to maybe get him on one of these days. That would be unreal. Oh, the Lee family, mate. They, yeah, if it wasn't for the Lee family and the vision of Sam, that place never would have existed. And to summarise it is, uh, again, it, it was a pivotal part of our history. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just out of it now. So I remember when it closed in, what, 2012, I think it was this last year or something. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have people coming out in 2.15 being like, what's Snow Park? It's like, what the fuck do you mean? You know? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. But then now I'm getting kids working up the hill being like, what was Snow Park? And it's like, well, they're 20, so there were three when it was built. Like, oh, okay, you know, that's actually a fair question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy to think it's been nearly closed for as long as it was totally open. Isn't it? Isn't it? So, and that's what I was getting about with the, uh, with what it could be now. Yeah. Like, it's so, it is so sad. Um, Mm. Best thing I think I ever saw at Snow Park, though. Sorry to just have another yarn about that. But, uh, had to be the Ken Block day and his sous vide. Oh, you actually got to this day? I was there that day, and, oh, my Lord. I don't think I've ever seen, well, I have now because I've seen a lot of friends' wingsuit, but um, <laughs> anything fly so big in my life. <laughs> in control, though. Mm. Like, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was It was a hilarious day. But that's so out of it how that place was. Is Like, you could just be up there riding as a local and then, oh, that's the fucking, that's the DC team riding with Ken Block's car. Yeah, you know, I was just. Like, oh, that's that's what that's just that's just a photo shoot. Just whatever, a, that's just happening. Just another yeah. snow park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. weird because it wasn't unusual. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. It, but it was. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and, like, oh, and obviously the day that Will jumped off the bridge was also another bananas crazy day. That mm. the, I was, yeah, I think I was as scared as Abby was for him. To be yeah. honest, yeah, yeah, that was. Burly. Yeah, yeah, fuck. <laughs> well, I, I think I said on his one, like, I'd just come back from my knee blowout, so I was sensitive about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember seeing him, the video of him doing that. It's like, oh, my God, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, I think we all had uh, enough Dutch courage for him. Yeah. <laughs> Over at the wall shed <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a cool place, man. And, like, you, you know, it, you could ride the lift with T-Rice. Yeah, exactly. Or fucking Candide. Or I rode. I rode that lift with so many pro skiers and my idols, like mm. movie stars that I never imagined I'd meet, and mm. I got to share a chair and share other things with them. Mm. Yeah. So how did um, how did judging get into the picture? Ah, yeah, right. That's a that's a pretty normal question for me. That's that's, a, that's <laughs> the number one question I definitely get around the world. Um. I got into judging because I, to sum it up, I was never going to be world champion. Um, <laughs> I, I quickly realized that I was not ever going to be at the Olympics. Yep. <laughs> if, the Olympics wasn't even a part of our sport then. So. No. Um, but I knew, I knew quickly after with, with Jossie coming up the ranks that uh, my attempted 540s <laughs> and sketchy downtown big ears <laughs> were not going to cut the mustard anymore. Um, and I was at the Christchurch Big Air um, back in the day. Don't remember exactly what year it was. And there were some pretty famous people there. Um, Mr. T. Rice was there. Yeah. And Candy, this, this young Frenchman called Candy Tovex, who <gasps> we knew about, but we didn't really know about. And he turned up and invented tricks in front of us. Fucking hell. So he did the first ever D-spin, which is like a... Like a like a, it's yeah, it's an off axis cork, um, yeah. and but very very styly, and he's very good at it. Hmm. And he just did them in front of us, and we had never seen them, and we were like, right, so uh, not gonna beat that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were a judge short, and Mister Hamish Ackland, I believe, was judging, and he yeah, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey man, do you want to judge? Because I think I had. 
classically I was like skiing in race boats and probably had massive shin bang mm. from landing shitty <laughs> shitty jumps yeah. and uh, probably was hurting that day as, and that's how most people get into judging is mm. they hurt and athletes hurt um, yeah and that's and that was mm. it so I remember that so that would have been about 02 when you were working with us in the rental shop yep so I remember you you got time off for that and come back and we're like how was the big year in Canterbury and all you could say was Candide was there yeah. So like, how was it? Candide was there. Over and over again. How, yeah. Like, what went down? Candide was there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you get it, man? Candide <laughs> was there. <laughs> God himself. <laughs> he landed a D9, I think, at Methven the next week. And that was like, that had literally never been done. And, and that, not, was, that was... A nine event. hadn't been done in comps. Really? Yeah, like, it was just... And he landed at the bottom of the tranny, like, an inch of tranny to go. Like, so, so that's out of it, to see the birth of this right before your eyes then. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that was, like, a downtown big year. And then the next year, a friend of ours from Aspen landed the first ever nine in a slope run. Is that Blake? Yes. Oh, shit, yeah, and, and unfortunately, Blake was the first of my of many friends and colleagues that I've lost mm. to the mountains from avalanches or other accidents. Mm. But yeah, that was just in, like pivotal points of the industry again, like tricks getting landed in, in like comp mode. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not saying it's different from today, because if you listen to Zoe and Carlos's um, episodes which I've been loving to listen to they don't throw their best tricks until comp until mm. it really counts yeah so it's very very similar like we're all shit scared trying to put down our biggest track mm. you're not going to do them on the rig yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's how you really hurt yourself <laughs> yeah and because um, what was there also the Methvin, what was it called, the Methvin Medium Air? Or? Well, it was called the Methvin Big Air, but yeah, the, the nickname was the Methvin Medium Air because it was only like a 20 foot step down. Oh, right. <laughs> and like the giantest scaffold set up. Was, was that the one where Terry hit it with the, unstrapped? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you could like, like uh, I think if you were snowboarding and you went straight at it, you only had to have like quarter of the drop in. Because right. the drop in was three times too big for the actual jump. Jesus. <laughs> so you had to like slide down on this wood slash snow setup, like like again Zoe and they talk about like sketchy um, city big ears, but mm. they were even sketchier back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was crazy at that time too, though. So I remember like it seemed like a a thing to have these snow events in cities, like Christchurch bigger. I remember there's a Red Bull Rail thing in Auckland mm-hmm. about yep. the same time, and then Dunedin had like a, a Cheapskates Rail Jam in the Octagon and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a good yarn actually. Oh yeah. The, the weirdest big year I ever went to was in Auckland, and it was in the I think it was in the Alingi America's Cup uh, headquarters. Yeah. But it was a big sports expo, all sports, and we went there and we had a big year into the viaduct, into the water. Oh, right. I remember seeing it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we won the best exhibition, <laughs> which was really hilarious. And we had to share a changing room with the bodybuilders. So these, like, little skinny white boys <laughs> with their skis and snowboards in the, like, almost summer. Mm. And then these jacked up bodybuilders that have been still starving themselves for a few days and they're farting and burping and leaving fake tan everywhere. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. who thought that was a good idea for people in ski boots to, like, land in water? Like, it was actually, actually, it was the 
event crew that put on the Big Ears, the Christchurch and Methven Big Ears. Oh, so it was them actually showing other sports and funders to right. get more money for it. So it was a bit of a publicity stunt, really, rather than an actual Big Ear. Like, yeah. I remember Brad Prosser actually landed a trick and hurt himself. Because if you actually landed, it was all that surface area onto water. Yeah. And the water wasn't bubbling. Flat landing. So it's yeah. mega flat landing. He actually like shot, got like a bit of back shock, I think, from, from hitting the water, like like stomping it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it was, yeah, a bit ghetto, but it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, about this time. Um, did you what was sort of the influences on your writing or were you looking influence wise um, myself I, personally my biggest influence for skiing was was Mr. J.P. Eclair mm-hmm. um, rest in peace uh, he was just such a phenomenally good good skier again he was a pioneer of the sport he was also inventing tricks Jake McCleary like modelled his backflip mute grab off J.P. he his signature in, in skiing. Um, we, we were all really looking at a lot of snowboarding, though, because mm. like, we were effectively invent, like, they were effectively inventing tricks. Mm. So a lot of looking at good snowboarders, um, definitely Terrier, getting that extension on grabs was what we were really concentrating on back then, was the execution of the grab. Mm. Um, so like Terrier's methods. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Giggy as well. Giggy was super tech on the rails and just uber styly. So we were just trying to mirror those sort of greasy, make it look easy styles. Mm. Um, not because obviously we weren't super tech back then, but um, that sort of knuckles at the ground, sort of yeah. steez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then locally, obviously, like Will and Tim, Jackways, they were huge influences of all of us at the park. Mm. Um, Obviously, there's so many snowboarders I could list. I could just keep rattling off names, but like close to me, mm. um, Leon Uru was actually another really big oh, one. Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he really, I really feel like he helped me bridge the gap between skiing and boarding because he was like a quite intimidating person to 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 not, to not know. Like yeah. from the outside, um, especially back then, because he was a fucking good snowboarder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he, he's a heart of gold, and he's a super nice guy, and um, we, we all interacted really, really well together. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That guy took down some heavy fucking urban rails. Oh, yeah. Like, um, every time I walk past the Aratown Skate Park, I have a look at that wooden rail. It's been cut into sections now. Yeah, right, yeah. But, yeah. like, he fucking did that. It's like, fucking Ooh, hell. That, yeah, That yeah. thing is really really heavy yeah, yeah. And, sh- and shout out to leon as well with all his dj work down in dunedin i hope we uh all of- actually there's been some rumors i've been hearing about a uh potential uh reunion snow park party oh really yeah so uh <laughs> watch the- watch that space new zealand snowboarding for next year <laughs> and um leon was sort of you were saying he was sort of helping bridge the ski snowboard divide a little bit oh we were just all really good friends um again that sort of snow park vibe of just everyone hanging out going between the different parties and um like they weren't excluding us yeah as per se so if it was a snowboard event then 
that let us hit the feature as well. They wouldn't really care. Um, mm. Obviously, we'd totally respect it and not snake during the comp. Mm. But uh, yeah, then there would be go all go to the same after parties and and having a good time. And mm. yeah, yeah. So I remember they'd even have a competition. Was it the quarter pipe battle that was sponsored by Option and Forefront? Yeah, right. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. While we're talking about snow park. Um, can you tell me what the Armageddon was? Oh yeah, the Armageddon. That that's probably the heaviest lineup of prizes <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Jason uh, Jason Wolf, who used to import Armada and now runs uh, Seoul and does footbeds down oh, yeah. in town in Wanaka. So if you need your footbeds, mate, go see Jace. He is the man. Mm. Um, he put on such an incredible event that was probably the most Jägermeister I've ever seen through a ice flu as well <laughs> <laughs> that night. It was probably the wildest ski party, I think, that happened up there. But again, it wasn't just skiers invited. It was just full of snowboarders. I'm pretty sure Leon was there for that as well. Pretty sure the Jackways boys would have been there. It was mm. maybe the first year of all shed, of the wool shed. Um, but that was really neat. It was a different event and it was... Uh, a new sort of format so it wasn't just a, a straight slope style straight mm. rail jam and they had it all so we did a bunch of other things and moved around the around the mountain and did different features which was really fucking rad so mm. yeah 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 oh sweet and we mentioned jake mccleary i just want to um because <clears throat> he was a pivotal moment in um i guess skiing and he was sort of accepted by a lot of snowboarding as well because of the shit he was doing. What's the three most hectic things you've seen that guy do? Ooh, uh, definitely the uh, the ice rink rail. That was I, I didn't I didn't see this personally, but um, when he did the ice rink rail, I think that was one of the gnarliest. That's the Queenstown. Yeah, outside the, outside the Queenstown skating rink, still there, oh, yeah. same rail. Um, down flat down, I think he disastered it down to the down. Right. Back for then for back in the day there was gnarly. Yeah. Um, uh, the monument rail, which uh, is that still there? Yeah, it's still, still there. Yeah, 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 still there. Up behind the uh, now food truck area of, oh, yeah. of uh, down in Wanaka there. Um, quick claim to fame, I stomped that before those dog boys did. When <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cops were there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, quickly to explain that. That was, that was uh, we set them up the monument rail to do. We even had a fire um, tracer underneath it. Oh, yeah. So we were going to light the rail on fire, and we had a big um, camera boom um, that we were going to use as well. And yeah, some Karen um, knocked on us, and the cops came <laughs> up. And then the cops let me do it one last go, and I was the one standing on the ramp, and no one had landed it yet. Marty had crashed, Jake had crashed. And I was the one that had all the pressure and somehow slid it. <laughs> <laughs> somehow right away. <laughs> oh, man. Red. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, and just, I don't know, man. Jake's, the, the gnarliest thing from Jake, probably the backflip mute grabs that he used to do. At, so that was a signature That, that was a signature track and he used to just do them so big. And he's a big, tall guy. So, mm. like, a big guy doing a big backflip to the, and he'd always go huge. So he'd land at the bottom of the trannies. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking a bit about um, bridging, the, the gaps being bridged with uh, skiing and snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a few uh, sort of events that we sort of talked about off off mic that sort of helped bring that around a little. You want to talk about them a yeah, little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
So, actually, the first event I ever ran is a disc golf comp, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is called the Dion Newport Invitational. Um, funniest story about that, actually, is uh, I asked Woodsy one year, because I didn't know that Woodsy played disc golf. This is like a few years ago. And uh, he, I, I, I saw him playing. I was like, Woodsy, why do you mean you entered my disc golf comp? And he's like, I have never had an invite. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to get an invite to it. And I'm like, oh... Oh, right. Oh, you took that a bit literally, mate. <laughs> There's no invite. <laughs> um, but I, so the DNI used to be a disc golf comp that I used to run, which was uh, during the free ski open. So that was uh, slope style and half pipe athletes along with free ride athletes. So I'd run the disc golf comp. So those two, three different types of athletes would all come and join together and hang out um, to bridge that gap as well in the sport. And then we started in the free ski open i really pushed hard for the snowboarders to be allowed to compete in our free ride event because they didn't have one that was sanctioned at that time so that's that's really where that sort of bridging that gap happened as mm. well there were events that did have snowboard free ride in it and they were the chill series which was oh, yeah. the club fields up in the canterbury um the mastermind Stu waddle behind that he was an absolute legend it was pretty pretty full-on event um sort of back-to-back days different resorts like it was like logistically pretty hectic but they used to have ski and snowboard events so that's sort of inspired me to to get more more snowboard involved in free ride and that and at this point i was sort of going to the judging in the park world a lot more Mm. going towards the olympics and um yeah the only way i knew i was going to be able to bridge that gap a bit more was actually to, to go towards free ride because mm. skiing, skiing and snowboarding in the park was getting even more separated because of the funding influences of going into the Olympics. So I think snowboarding was in the Olympics before skiing was for freestyle. Exactly, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So That sort of divided things. Yeah, well, that was already divi- divided, that yeah. there was snowboarding already in the Olympics, and we didn't have it for skiing. So, yeah. And I was a big advocate for it to go into it. Mm. At the same time, not, because we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so it was really great to be a part of that as well, actually, be a part of the judging panel that was picked for the first Ski Olympics and um, to help create the judging uh, system for that and be a part of that whole evolution of it as well. Mm. Yeah. So I think we'll um, touch on Sochi experience a little bit down the line. Yep, yep. I uh, did want to talk about um, your transition to freeride judging, obviously, and we've just touched on that there. And who was the people that sort of mentored you towards that? Um, again, Hamish Ackland has been a pretty big influence in the ski industry in New Zealand, Mons Royale uh, creator and mm. I guess CEO. Um, yeah. Don't know his official job title, sorry, Hamish. Um, OG. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely a massive influence on me um, for my judging because he was very career focused um, and I guess he wanted to see a good uh, New Zealand representative in it as well. Mm. Um, to free ride, it was because I they I was in Canterbury doing the Methvin Big Ears and those sort of things, and then the chill event was right then. Mm. And um, Nick Mills hit me up. So Nick Mills, who owns Rip On and is the head winemaker there, uh, he hit me up to come along and judge, and he was actually the first person to teach me judging because he was internationally judging on the IFSA tour over in America at that time. So, yeah. Right. And then uh, Nick was a big part of the World Halley Challenge, and he was head judging the Halley Challenge at the time. 
and uh so this was the second incarnation of the heli challenge yes exactly or nick was during the whole thing i'm pretty sure Mm. from the start um and we actually got him into the obsidian last year nick because he knows the the terrain where where that is very very well from all the years of the heli challenge Mm. um yeah so it was it was uh it was a pretty cool pretty cool thing that harrow did uh, thank you tony harrington for mm. for uh again being ahead of your time yeah. <laughs> like holy that was that was loose yeah. <laughs> talk about a bunch of cowboys and helicopters mm. yeah 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 so yeah, i definitely heard a few stories because i'm if i remember rightly there was sort of that 2009 era it sort of came back mm-hmm. yeah and um were you there the yeah, that it was like T. Rice, Quentin Robbins, and Will, and just like heavy hitters. Yeah, I was really lucky to be a part of that. Actually, it was a, the rebirth of um, of the Hello Challenge. They it was a bit more of a media show then than it was uh, a big sort of competition, as per se. Mm. Uh, but they had like the junior section in there as well so that was uh the phyllis boys and was jj and or did he not uh, get up in there not sure if there might have been before jj yeah might have, yeah actually it was before jj so, um and zoe was there though wasn't she i think oh, I zoe know. i thought she talked about that in her oh she did yes yeah, yeah i think right. zoe was in there as well as a super grom um yeah, uh, yeah, and that was when I first met T. Rice, and he was just such a nice guy, and just, yeah, again, like, standing around your heroes while jobbers are flying around and putting down mm. sick runs was pretty incredible. And was that the one where, like, Will and, did Will and Abby both win one year? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I was actually trying to research that, and I just mm. couldn't find it. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Will, Will's just such a dominator. <laughs> so I know he won a couple of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won the free ride day mm. because it, it was uh, Mount Albert, and he knows that place pretty damn well. And it was mm. a, it was a, it was an iffy day too. The snow wasn't amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The conditions were pretty average. It was a real nasty crust for this freestyle day. Yeah, it was mm. pretty burly. Yeah. Mm. And um, so this was about the time we were. Um, I got a phone call from you at the that's it that's all premiere. Yep. Well, yep, trying um, to drag you along. <laughs> yeah, I've fucking just dropped the ball on that one. Um, <laughs> but, like, that was kind of a big deal. And I think that sort of almost shows how much of a hub Wanaka was at the time, thanks to Snowpark. Exactly, mate. Yep. Of, um, of, like, the international snow media. Because mm-hmm. what did Tanner Hall say, turn around and say to you after that? Because it, it, it's, like... Those movies get slagged off now because they're such big mainstream movies. But that that time when that's all that that's that's all came out, it flipped everything on its fucking head. Oh, that's like, yeah, that, that was as pivotal as a movie as as what Snowpark was as a resort. Mm. Like that that was game changing. Cinematography, the music, the way everything flowed. Like un, like snowboard videos were just a bit more raw back mm. then. But this was like real professionalism into a movie and. Mm. It was just phenomenal that Wanaka got the world premiere. And yeah. yeah, I was standing with a bunch of skiers at this event and watching these amazing lines getting thrown down and the, and the cinematography was just like, yeah, a cameraman's wet dream. Mm. And uh, yeah, and T Hall turned to me at the end of it and was like, I don't know how I'm going to do my premiere now. Like, mm. He was like real worried about how he, he was, was going to get received. supposed to premiere his movie a couple of weeks later. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that, that was the days when all the premieres were in New Zealand because it was 
pre-American mm. or North American Northern Hemisphere, sorry, seasons. Yeah. So they'd be selling them for pre-season, like mm. back in the day where movies made money and were these multi, like yeah, multi-brand huge m- movies that you'd get stoked to be in. Yeah. Yeah. But now and, and now it's just a little bit saturated with the amount of movies that are out there. Yeah. 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 I wonder what that's all down to now. Just, um, just access. Uh, uh, it's, just, it's just the access to it now. Eh? It's just the fact that cameras are easier to get and smaller, and everyone sort of everyone can one, everyone uh, can be a handyman, handy cam man now. Yeah, yeah, Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I swear that it was like that for a little bit in the early nineties with snowboarding. Like everyone got high cameras and, and stuff. Totally, and yeah, 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 yeah. It just sort of comes and goes. It can't, it, yeah, so it's dips and flows in, in technology, I guess, as well. Mm. Eh? So, yeah. And so that's led to you sort of departing to go Aspen for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, I'm from I'm from Napier, so uh, and I didn't grow up in a ski racing family or anything like that, so definitely not from a m- major amount of money. And uh, it took me a few years to, I guess, get the bug and actually have a reason to go overseas as well, because I was enjoying winters in New Zealand, but... At heart, I was from Napier, and I loved surfing, so I did a couple of summers in Queensland and um, in Melbourne and getting that summer kick still. And then, yeah, Marty actually took a year off um, teaching in Aspen, and he was a full cert examiner. Mm. So uh, he took a year off because he actually got asked to get more qualifications to be the New Zealand coach, which is a whole other story. <laughs> um, won't go into that one. And he... And he got me a spot teaching in Aspen. And remember, I didn't have a instructor's ticket because someone, oh. some people told me I wasn't ever going to become anything in the industry. So mm. I went to Aspen and taught, took over Marty's role. <laughs> so full cert to no cert <laughs> <laughs> replacement. <laughs> um, but being, it's going to sound a little arrogant, but being the guy I am, I just went in with a, a really big smile and complete honesty and just gave everyone a really good time and that's what i i i offered i, I knew i wasn't gonna, i told the parents and the the clients that i'm not going to have your son doing perfect parallel turns at the end of day one with me but they will have a massive smile and if that's what you want then then i'm your man mm. yeah <laughs> and yeah did pretty well um Sweet. while i was out there i just started judging a lot more with the free ride stuff back in new zealand so uh, Nick Mills told me to get in touch with a guy called Jim Jack, who was my mentor in America, and he invited me along onto the IFSA, which is the International Free Skiing Association um, tour, and I went on to Tullyride and met him there, and then also went to Jackson that year as well. They flew me out to Jackson from Aspen, so yeah, it was a pretty eye-opening, eye-opening winter going from kid from Napier yeah, yeah. <laughs> to living in Aspen to teaching some billionaires to judging international events and yeah it was just this whole other plane that you don't really get down here eh? oh I was definitely pinching myself mate um Jim Jack just quickly if the if, our, if your listeners don't know who he is he was a huge huge uh character in the free ride community in North America uh really fascinating doc um uh, article about how he passed away in um, Stevens Pass. Right. H- huge avalanche. It's on, I think it's on NewYorkTimes.com, um, but it's an interactive uh, article about how they passed away. It, like, sort of 
all the red flags possible and totally ignoring them, unfortunately, mm. from an ego group. Too many egos in one group. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Too late in the day, too much solar, shouldn't have been there. No one wanted to say no because everyone was pros. Etc. 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 Yes, just shouldn't have happened, and man, unfortunately, just, fuck man. Doesn't yeah. matter how long you've hiked out. If it's not stable, you just just say no and walk just away. Does, man. It doesn't matter how good you are, mate. Mm. If the conditions just don't, if the flags are there, mm. just just turn around. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's the one thing I learned from Jim Jack. He 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 wrote. I had I have some ashes of his, and he rides with me every day, mm. um, especially in North, northern Europe. Uh, sorry, northern hemisphere. I have walked away from so many lines in my life not doing them because mm. of the gut. I trust my gut. I mean, and I don't care about being a pussy. I'm not the one on camera. I'm not pushing the boundaries. I'm skiing for another day. I mm. want to live. But even the <laughs> best guys, like I'm sure if you had Sam Smoothie or Giggy Rough here, that's to be saying the same thing or like, totally. it, yep. you know, hundred percent. Once yeah. those flags are up, you've got to respect the mountains. Mm. And because, I mean, Craig Kelly, no one knew more than, you know, he, fuck, he was our God and he got taken. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, yep. and it's like, fuck if, you know, that's oh, it right there, man. So, same, you know? same with Doug Coombs. Yeah. So all, these, all the guides around the world, like, if those guys are that knowledgeable and that smart and they can go, mm-hmm. you've got to respect it more. So you get, like, the kids at work and stuff and they're like, um, oh, I'm going to buy a split board this year. I'm like, that's rad. Have you bought your avalanche gear and done your course yet? Yeah, exactly. How many oh, week, no. how many weekend courses have you signed it's up like, for, mate? mate <laughs> that's worth way more money than you know. That's that, you know. I mean, shit. I did my course. It saved my life once already. Mm-hmm. Best five hundred bucks I ever spent. Yep. You know exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, just yeah. can't emphasise that enough. If yeah. um, people are listening, you know, like the red flags are there. Just. Go jib your fucking side hits in the mountain, man. In, exactly. In, in the resort. Yeah, there'll be power another day, guys. Mm. Just, just, yeah. just be patient. <laughs> well, yeah. um, so talking about Jim Jack, the the other side of the coin there was in America was the North Face Masters, mm. which was the snowboard freeride tour, and those guys, Tom Burt. So Tom Burt was the head judge of that tour, and Jim oh, right. Jack was the head judge of the free skiing tour. Yeah. So those two personalities were like. Man, I, I don't know if they could fit in one room together because yeah. how big the, the personalities are, but such amazing people. Mm. Um, and those guys were really bridging the gap between ski and snowboard as well. Mm. They, Even though Tom would always say, bloody ski, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we all love each other and have a great time. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I yeah, mean, so- shit, Tom Burt, that's a... Um, fuck, that's a name right there as far as freeriding goes holy shit um, some of those things that dude did on his snowboard fucking I can't believe yeah. I've shared a room with Tom Burt like, really like oh yeah I, a whole season I did sharing rooms with Tom Burt travelling with Tom like I, I I didn't get to meet him until I'd moved to Europe so mm. I, that time when he was working on the North North Face Masters tour I didn't ever meet him because mm. we were two separate tours working um, but yeah getting to meet Tom later in life was pretty special so, like did you get to ride with him and shit i tried to ride tried? With him. <laughs> <laughs> he's still got his pro model winter winter stick is that what's that is it, it winter probably, stick probably. Yeah, yeah 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 it's winter stick so uh he's still got his pro model that gets made every year um and yeah that's a big board <laughs> so, and he's a big guy <laughs> yep yeah his stance is probably as wide as some children are tall 
he's 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 pretty 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 damn good. Um, trying to ride with him is hard enough. Trying to hike with him is worse. Really? He's I don't know how he has. He's just all legs. Right. Um, oh, he's like a pukiko, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like his his hike stride is like a meter and a half. <laughs> like especially like being a skier, following him as well with his light snowboard steps, and mm. then like weird like post hole, and then have to like thigh hole, and then post. Hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Tom is one of the most humble men in the world, mate. He mm. is such a nice guy, and yeah. Used to chauffeur athletes home after after parties because we we're all so wasted and it's negative thirty in Canada and rolling in Escalades, <laughs> rental Escalades. Just oh, so he's like camp dad sort of thing. Full camp dad, mm. mate. Full camp dad. I really miss Tom um, on tour and and Hugo Harrison as well. He used mm. to judge with us too. What's Tom up these days then? Um, I think he's just doing a bit of guiding and living out of Tahoe with his family. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what his wife does right now, but yeah, Tom. Tom's a real family man. Um, that was partly of the issue was he always needed to fly home between events, yeah, and wouldn't stay out in Europe on tour. And because I, I do a lot of FWQ, so a lot of qualifying events as well. So not only on pro tour, but in between the pro tour, I go to a lot of the qualifying events and even junior events mm. to uh, make sure the judging is legit. Further down the line of the of the pathway, mm. so not only being a pro judge but but taking that down to the yeah 10 year olds so yeah right yeah. Uh, so and what's inspired the move to Europe um oh, I was dating an Irish girl at the time and I yeah got a chance to go live in Dublin lived in Dublin in Ireland for uh 10 years and um yeah just worked worked out of out of there worked in a ski shop uh, Snow and Rock, which has actually been a mega, mega stepping stone for a lot of Kiwis going into Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of Kiwis, because it's a British uh, chain store, like Torpedo 7. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of Kiwis would go over there. Brits would work here, mm. tell them about there, they'd go over there, work in the UK, go out to Europe on holidays. Yeah, And, right. and it was quite a quite a circle. Um, and they had a shop in Dublin, so I just worked there, fitted ski boots, and then flew out to Europe for the winter and then came back to New Zealand for for our winters so. oh, sweet yep. and yep. so would you be mainly based with um, Europe with your judging now or yeah yeah for our world tour is based out of out of Switzerland mm. um, so yeah we base out of there I don't mm. there is American events and other events in Canada and stuff so I'm sure I remember you judging in Alaska or something oh yeah that was part of the pro tour oh right yeah so I actually the first time I went to Alaska I'm very lucky I've been a few times um, was Ali Eska, and that was with IFSA and Jim Jack, so way back, yeah. way, way back in the day. But the Free Ride World Tour has been to Alaska as well, and we went to Haynes, oh, um, right. which was wow, which was where Tom Burt did all these lines. So yeah. to hang out with Tom in an es- like I keep saying Eskalos, but like big fancy American trucks going for a cruise, and and Tom's pointing out like I don't know. 200 first descents he's done. <laughs> so see that mountain range? Yep, yeah, I'd first descended all of that. <laughs> and it's like, wow. lines are like, bigger than Cook. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like real, real big lines. The mm. cathedral, I think, was one of his big ones that he first descended, and that's, that's... I think if... Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I would 
I put that out there, I would never go down the cathedral. <laughs> it's so gnarly. Yeah. So I think of our listeners, um, just look up Tom Burton TB2, and I think you'll find a lot of those first descents in yeah, that video right. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for our listeners that haven't been to Alaska, fucking describe that. Uh, describe that. Uh, describe Alaska. If like, you're a Kiwi, um, it would be like the west coast of the South Island with guns and you can do anything literally do anything and mountains that are just so accessible and not accessible yeah yeah and the weather it's yeah. very similar to west coast so a lot of waiting mm. yeah. yeah and like the that moment you were put on top of an alaskan peak Whew, yeah uh yeah, I was nervous enough to fly in there with no gear to go judge to go judge an event. That was mm. actually terrifying to be put on in a heli, fly up onto a mountain without ski gear. Mm. Was actually terrifying because if something happened, I'm stuck up there. Yeah, literally stuck. I'm not going to post hole out mm. <laughs> down a glacier. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. I only got to do a um, a punter day heli in Haynes, mm. but they have a, a punter filter that they start with, which oh, yeah. is a, a pretty knife-edge ridge that they land you on and a very, very steep face, big open face, nothing mm. you're going to hurt yourself on, but it's steep enough that it always sloughs when you're riding, so it's, they watch how you slough manage. Right. So it's a good punter filter. Yeah, yeah, and uh, my first time, I hadn't skied in a week and a half. I had these massive, huge power skis that I'd never skied in my life and they were super stiff. And the cameraman in front of me, who was actually a pretty good rider, ate shit and tomahawked down the face. Oh, no. And I had to pick up his shit. And you, you're, <laughs> you're tomahawking like two, 3,000 feet, right? Oh, yeah. He tomahawked for like a good two to 300 vertical meters. Fucking like just hell. nonstop, head over heel and like accelerating. And I could just see the whole thing. It was just so gnarly. And I was watching all his gear fly off as he was tomahawking oh, and knowing I was going to have to pick that shit up mm. and it was just yeah yeah it was a <laughs> interesting first experience yeah. of, of that was Halley in Alaska my first experience of actually backcountry in Alaska was cat skiing next to Alieska mm. with way too much beer and <laughs> a bit a bit rowdy <laughs> <laughs> but that was Jim Jack so that's <laughs> thanks. thanks Jim Jack yeah, yeah thank you IFSA and thank you uh, MSI actually MSI Mountain Sport International they put those two tours on back in the day they um, tried to merge with FWT back in the day as well they tried to have a little bit of a marriage so that there weren't two competitive tours working in the world mm. and that was a horrific disaster <laughs> <laughs> talk about egos <laughs> it was it was pretty sad actually um, mm. but so it could have been something great, but could have been. It could have been, but you're talking about two different businesses trying to work together and claim the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. I want to just go back to something you talked about before with uh, slough management. Mm-hmm. And what's the key to good slough management? Um, it's your line. If if you, if you haven't got your line well picked, mm. you've you've really got to know, and you've got to know those angles of what's where that slough's going to go as well. Mm. Um, exit points during your run so you got to have an exit line if something does slough mm. um effectively on that sort of face that i rode that's a steep steep gnarly face you're kind of continuously traversing across the mountain so it's right. falling behind you 
that's kind of what you want. So you'd almost at. start left, finish right, to Ty- something there. Effectively, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Is that easier said than done? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have been sloughed out in my own shit a lot in Europe, mm. and been really lucky, really, really lucky a lot of times. Yeah, because yeah. I think people miss. Um, misunderstand how gnarly slough can get like if that slough's going off a fucking 80 foot drop and it gets you you're going with it yeah for sure oh well if and if you're skiing a line in europe and people are watching you they think it's an avalanche because there's so much snow moving mm. and they'll be calling patrol where it's mm. actually just slough the yeah. moving snow that you're kicking up when you're moving yeah but like punters will ring like rescue because mm. <laughs> they think an avalanche has just happened mm. yeah because yeah, yeah. we managed well it's kind of fun you're like oh the mountain's alive like oh yeah know. yeah yeah smoothie's a good one for that because he uh his first ascent in alaska was pretty burly because it was all uh it was that sort of style so a re- big ridge starting from right all the way down to left yeah and it was just bellowing off like like tons and tons and tons of snow falling it just looked yeah. spectacular yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he what he's got a run named like Wet Bordies or something after him. It's actually, it's actually, Tog uh, Undies Undies. No, Togs Togs Undies. Togs Togs Undies. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, like that. Uh, the the Tip top ad. Yeah. Winner yeah. winner. Budgie smugglers, not budgie smugglers. <laughs> so, so what's the story with the naming of that run? Oh, that uh, he was staying at the is it the Funny Farm? I think it's called the Funny Farm, is where all the big pros stay. And um, sauna. They were. He was waiting, 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 waiting. Classic Alaska. Sitting and waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> and it went blue. And he was in the sauna, sweaty, sweating away. And they got five minutes to get dressed. He didn't have time to find his dry underwear. Holy shit! <laughs> Just got in a bed <laughs> and first ascended. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, probably had a window of like an hour. <laughs> Well, it's out of it, like, listening to Will's story of, like, two days of no sleep flying from Norway to Alaska, shows up, Giggy's like, oh, it's great you're here, we're going in an hour, <laughs> and, and he's like, wow. here you are, like, <laughs> no McDougal's to warm up on, holy shit. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. that's exactly what I was talking about before, like, that's what happens in Alaska, is you just sit around, mm. and you get sore, and you get tired, and you get lazy, and start drinking, and having a bit of fun with your mates, and then pull the trigger mm. it's go time you just yes. there's, there's nothing to warm up on yeah because yeah. <laughs> that window could be really short mm. and if the conditions are right that's your mm. go that's your chance yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. i guess that's what sort of separates the um regular joes from those guys has been able to perform at the drop of a hat onto the hard shit without any warm-up yeah definitely and that's that's where like competitive free ride uh is a really epic stepping stone for free ride athletes to become those big movie stars because mm. you only get that one run that one chance to pull that trigger mm. to put it down yeah. yeah so like what zoe was saying you can't hit it no yeah you don't you yeah, don't get a warm-up run at all there's no practice you mm. only get to visually inspect it and then so what's involved with visually inspecting a, a face um, it depends on the competition and the level of it, but uh, uh, a visual inspection is what it, what it says on the box. Uh, you, you look at it from a distance. Yep. You cannot go on the face at all. If anyone goes on the face, um, uh, well, you'll get disqualified. Mm. Um, classic uh, um, <laughs> breakdown of uh, communication with different languages, but the, the Euros, classic line, they always say, please not to come on the face. <laughs> <laughs> 
Joyce Gates. <laughs> a good laugh from the English speakers. <laughs> really, really, they say that. Ah, it's cringy. Uh, needs, uh, needs to come a free will to a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Please not to come on my face, no, on the face. Um, uh, and uh, but a lot of the like a lot of the pro events, they'll actually let them hike up the ridge. Oh yeah. Um, potentially go to the start area so they can to see what they can see from the top. A lot of the time, they don't get enough time. Are so, you, are you allowed to take pictures of the face? Yes. Sort of yeah. So we let them. Like everybody has cameras now. A lot of people take photos through binoculars. Oh yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, but in the last few years, we've been sending drones around as well and getting bird's eye views and actually flying them down um, and giving them the video. Yeah. So they can actually see what go takeoffs go because that's that's the hardest part of free riders knowing what takeoffs go. Right. Landings are one thing because you can see all the landings. Yeah. No problem. But the takeoffs are, what does that snow look like? Is there a yeah. rock on that takeoff? Right. Is it just rock? Yeah. <laughs> it might be a wall of rock. Mm. <laughs> like, um, so free roads are always evolving. There's always, we're always trying to add to it and always trying to make it more user friendly. Um, so yeah, hence the, hence the drone shots. But mm. yeah. So can you describe like a, like, what would you be looking for in a winning free ride run? Because I think, like, from an outside looking in, sometimes I'll be looking and be like, oh, I can't believe that one didn't run because I really like that fucking 360 or whatever. What the fuck judges? Can, can you tell us what you guys are looking for? Uh, effectively, we're looking for the run of the day that looks like it would be the money run in the video. Yeah. So the num- that one run that you'd see in the video that is like, whoa, that was the banger. That is what we're looking for. So we want fast runs now, f- super fluid. Um, they need to be jumping off things though. That's effectively mm. how you build points mm. in free world. Is, is it straight ears, or are you guys looking for spins now? Or? Definitely in snowboard. It's like not it's, i'm glad it's not spin to win yet mm. but yes tricks are huge now in free ride world tour not as dominated in the skiing category but it is definitely starting to be that you have to trick mm. um snowboarding is much more they're two completely different sports going down one face so mm. it's very rare that the, the snowboard lines we send snowboarders first majority of the time because we we know and everyone knows that a snowboarder rides better with no tracks. Mm. You put 40 tracks into a face, snowboarders are going to struggle with it. Yeah. Um, so, and they just, the blank canvas with a snowboard actually just looks better. Mm. <laughs> They're more creative. They yeah. get the flow that goes into a snowboard run is what is, is effectively what's coming into skiing mm. now. Yeah. Yeah. So good fluid, clean landings. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, no mistakes in the landings. Um, and going four line as well, f- fluid means going fast. So mm. it's going to be a quick run. Yeah, mm. any sort of traversing, hesitations, that they're all docked as well. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an overall impression mm. of top to bottom. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And who are some of your favourite uh, snowboarders on the tour? Whew, on the Freeride World Tour, there's, yeah, there's been a lot. Um Oh, definitely Xavier Delarue. He's yeah one of the most dominating of all snowboarders. Um, class him as a good friend now as well. Mm. Uh, luckily, get to have dinner with him and hang out with his lovely wife Beanie. And um, he's just such an influence on on our sport. 
huge charging runs. Semi Lubke is another one. He's another good friend of mine. Uh, he's, a, he's a really interesting one to talk about because he picks where his favourite trick would be on that face. Right. And then build his whole line around that to be fluid. Okay. So he'd, he'd pick the feature that he thinks he's going to have the most fun on and try and link other features to that. Interesting. Mm. Rather than winning, it's not about winning that feature that's going to win. It's about what he's going to enjoy. Mm. And that's really an essence of, of skiing and snowboarding and freeride. Mm. The guys that are going to win are normally smiling. Yeah. <laughs> when they're coming out the bottom. It's cliche as it sounds. Yep, yeah. yep, totally. Rather than the guys that are coming out like fist pumping the air on landing and like aggressive. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so, I mean, that's interesting. So does that result in him sometimes traversing more than he'd like to be, or he's just clever enough to link that run? He'd just go to that side of the face. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he's normally, there should be five to six lines on any world tour face. That's Mm. part of the requirement of a face. Um, So they have different options, so Mm. they can be different. Yeah. Obviously, Giggy coming into the tour in the last few years has just been so sick. (laughs) Like again, like it's kind of changing the 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 way that guys have been looking at it as well. Like Mm. a bit more. So is it Giggy gonna give it a bit more legitimacy? Like, oh, it's good enough for Giggy, this video part dude. Then yeah, yeah, and that's why you got a wild card as well. And that's kind of how wild cards work on the Freeride World Tour is about that sort of media base i guess mm. but the following and and what that's going to bring to the tour so yeah mm. having giggy on there has just been so sick and then obviously travis's bananas run that he won in japan when we first ever pulled off a fwt in japan like all right big cork seven has run and just huge back here at the bottom he was like leagues above anyone else it was just mm. a, I wonder, like, was that one of those things when he showed up? Everyone's like, "Well, we know who's won." Or did he? Did anyone else have a fair chance against him? Or? Oh no, everyone had a fair chance. Like, yeah. he, like all the guy, all the snowboarders on the Freeride World Tour are legit good snowboarders. Mm. Um, it's just that Tra- Travis just has that massive park background, mm. and he's again, he's he does that sort of trick all the time in the backcountry. Yeah, if he hadn't landed a, a trick. Or, or if you put a butt down, he's, he may not have won. Mm. But he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Travis the cat yeah. did really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there any riders you'd like to see on the tour? Ooh. Uh, a rider that I really wish made it uh, was Abby, actually. Abby Lockhart. When she oh, tried yeah. to qualify for the Freer World Tour, she could have changed the game for women's snowboarding at yeah. an early day. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of girls who were on the tour that was doing super well, like Eileen and um, you know, a few, a couple of others, but they were all really good friends. Mm. And if she'd got on the tour with them, things would have changed. Because girls snowboarding is just starting to progress now. Mm. Um, and I reckon she would have... Abby was pretty far ahead of her time. Oh, so with her riding time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. Euro judges can be quite harsh, and she wasn't a super fast rider but she actually got heaps of little features in and rode it more like a skate park rather yeah. than a traditional four line free ride mm. and just got kind of gypped and just missed the cut by like one place uh. and and as you know if abby had made the cut then we may have had well on the tour because yeah. that would have been the dream couple and yeah that 
Will's probably one that I wish she'd made to her as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zoe Zoe's the next though, mate. Oh, We'd yeah. love to have Zoe on tour. Um, she's d- proved herself pretty well <laughs> with the mm. uh, old natural selection there. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Well, we mentioned Sochi before, and I'd like to sort of circle back around to that, uh, the Sochi Olympics, which was free skiing's debut at the um, mm. Olympic Games. Yep. Um, how well, how did you become how did a Kiwi guy from Napier become one of the Olympic free ski judges? I mean, we've probably to, answered that in the last hour and a half. Yeah, to, to, be, to be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really remember how I actually got that golden ticket. Um, definitely it had something to do with snow sports in New Zealand. Uh, they Because that was when that sort of got founded mm. um, from the Free Ski Association and it all sort of took over with snow sports and sport New Zealand. Um I was just right time, right place is pretty much what I say to most people. Like, uh, I just kicked the door of the opportunity open and ran with it. And, mm. um, so there was quite a bit going on at Sochi. Um, <laughs> <It's> Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you care to enlighten us on a few things. I think there was um, sort of a bit of a media backlash with uh, Jossie's, Jossie's run. Oh yeah, yeah, right. The uh, yeah, the slope style run where where poor Joss just slipped up a little bit on the upper rail and knew because at that point it was like and so the the slope style runs now. If you mess up on one feature, you barely have the speed. Probably don't have the speed for the next feature. So that's your run gone. Yeah. And what's the point of hurting yourself or attempting something when you, your head's not in it because you've just messed your run up? Mm. So. Joss and his fucking uber style and no no idea where that came from. But he just decided to hit the jumps and just do zero spins. So effectively just a switch straight air. Mm. Um, but for a skier, that's very difficult. And yeah. also put mad style into it. Mm. The thickest switch zeros I think has ever gone down. And got mad backlash from, from New Zealand media about it because mm. he inverted brackets with my fingers here gave up mm. which was not the case mm. the case was is he was done and mm. he knew it and mm. wanted to show our culture mm. and the in and the world what style was mm. and god damn did he put that down he did it, did it for the culture <laughs> he did man it was so sick mm. yeah where i remember a lot of notepads being thrown and chairs being kicked out and standing ovation when Jossie got to the bottom of that from the, fr- fr- from the judging panel for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, we were all so stoked and so proud of him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And did you see Will get told off for doing a back seven? <laughs> I loved hearing that story. <laughs> I uh, I wasn't there when that he got told off, but I definitely remember Will like ripping through the uh, through the course. <laughs> so it might have been that day actually. I may have just missed that slightly but uh, again it was just so epic to see all so many humble people from Wanaka at the Olympics like you said Tori was coaching for Australia Will was coaching for New Zealand I was judging Hamish Acklin was there with Mons Royale because he was a major sponsor of the New Zealand team it was just super neat like, I had a lot of friends with media mm. it was just super cool to so just a real good community it really was yeah 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 yeah. Mm. early days again so it was like some of the OGs just hanging out um, yeah it was just it was incredible so much fun 
pretty loose. Russia is loose in general. Yeah. Um, for an Olympics, it was pretty damn loose. We had like Audis to drive, like sponsored Sochi Audis. I remember they need to go through security and they give you, they'd tag the doors and windows for oh, security. Yeah. So you'd like rip and then we'd, you would get to drive up and the roads were blocked. No one was allowed to drive on them apart from buses. So we would just rally these brand new Audis <laughs> so hard up these mountain roads and pull up at the next like security checkpoint and the car's like, <laughs> super hot. <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. But, there was a lot of, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but there was a lot of things happened at Sochi. Like remember Benny Bright had that huge outburst about the pipe conditions and... Yeah, so yeah, again, it was a new, it was all new, and it was like a Russia was a bit off the ball. They weren't mm. doing, and it was so warm. Man, it was warm. It was like spring break. It was so sad. Mm. Yeah. So I remember Ryan sending me pictures of um, them like using fire hoses into the half pipe or some shit. Was like, that was Whoa. a scary day, mate. Watching yeah. them pull out like high pressure water hoses and water over the whole pipe. But the water had the chemicals in it to make the snow. So, so it was the same systems as what they do for the ski racing. Oh, right. It's their ice blasting. So they actually, like, it, like, snap freezes. And they were trying to save the pipe. But watching them blow water all over a pipe trying to save it blew my mind. I don't know what was going on, mate. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite a lot of controversy. Obviously, we all laughed thinking that there's doping going on, not knowing that it was actually happening. Oh, really? <laughs> well, is it Icarus? I think it's, that's the name of the... Like, but yeah, full doping scandals. That's why Russia's still banned. It's from Sochi. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, it was oh. such a like comical, comical thing. You couldn't even... Well, you could write it, and it, it was written. And like <laughs> a huge uh, military presence there too or something, eh? Massive military presence. Um, guys, and... Uh, Camo tents at the bottom of pylon, every pylon of a gondola tower, every f- chairlift you got off, there was armed guards pointing guns at you. Um, we got told that you weren't allowed to ski the backside of the resort because that was facing Georgia and there were snipers looking at us at all times. <laughs> like, it was like Shit. pretty. You've got something more to worry about than slough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there wasn't much slough at the start of that trip. It was all pretty icy and gnarly and pretty low tide. I got to see Sochi change completely because I'd been going there with Freeride World Tour before they started even building the resorts. Right. So I went there when it was like ghetto and old school and like now the new resorts where the slope and pipe were Mm. was actually heli skiing terrain. Right. So you helied around there and stuff. I didn't get to heli, unfortunately, but I got to ride the resorts before it, which was more where the ski jumping was further down valley. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't; these resorts didn't even exist before the before the Olympics. So everything it went from a sleepy little village with like nice locals that farm and like beers and the most amazing tree skiing mm. I'd ever done. But there was still like cheerlifts and shit there. Yeah, there was super ghetto right. and old school and like not much going on, mm. but the. The saddest thing about Sochi was seeing them cull all the trees. They just all disappeared. They cut them all down. They put a huge fence around all the resorts, which actually fucked with the the, the movement of animals. Yeah, right. Over the mountain ranges, which is really sad. And then, like, yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that was just... it, It turned it from this beautiful village to 
no, not even beautiful, but ghetto Russian village to yeah. concrete jungle, redirected river, like fuck. So was, they've fucked with a lot of nature. Oh, so much, so much, man. It's gnarly, super gnarly. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, it was a great experience, and I got to mm. tick that box, and um, never again. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the worst paychecks of my life going to the Olympics. Oh, uh, really? Well, they only pay 100 Swiss francs a day. Oh, right. Even at the Olympics, when you work for first, which is pretty insulting. Pretty hard to get out of bed for $100. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you get paid $100 a day, so I was there for 22 days, so do the math. Yeah. It's a good good day rate. Bang, <laughs> but the amount of days I actually worked, but mm. yeah. Fanging around in Audis. Yeah. Make up for it a little bit. And free skiing and <laughs> flying around the world. And, yeah, it's a tough, <laughs> tough life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, um, something I want to talk to you about is the New Zealand Junior Freeride Tour. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. And um, I guess, um, what is it? Well, the, the New Zealand Junior Freeride Tour is something that I created to have a pathway for kids in New Zealand to become world champions in freeriding, essentially. Uh, it is open to ski and snowboard girls and boys uh, of any age up until 18 and we run three events around the country uh remarkables is our definitely our flagship event it's first of the year amazing terrain stunning spot ross lawrence you're the man thank you for backing us for so many years then we go to olympus after that Mm -hmm. olympus is playground of the gods absolute nuts place by far the best vibes of a clubby. Um, mm. So they've backed us for many years. They take really good care of us up there. And then we finish up in the North Island, uh, usually at Turoa. Mm. Um, yeah, so the reason why I started that as well is because uh, the Craig Murray, his older brother Charlie, who's now on the EWS mountain biking tour, and Jamesa Hampton, just one year, Sam Smoothie and I were judging the Junior Nationals. Mm-hmm. And these kids were just throwing down. It was just unbelievable what these kids were doing. And I was, I just kind of looked at Sam and I was like, why haven't we got sanctioned events in New Zealand for these kids? And it was, that was it. Mm. Little idea, light bulb went off above my head and started running a couple of events in the next couple of years. So, yeah. All right, so we've covered the why. What about the how? Oh, uh a lot of love. <laughs> a lot of love. I certainly don't do this to make money, mate. Um, it's it's run by a lot of, again, a lot of love um, and a lot of support. Uh, the industry is super tired at the moment. Um, there's that horrific virus going around the world that's ruining a lot of our lives. Um, some worse for others, obviously. Um, but... Uh, um, so the how is actually just a lot of a, a lot of love, a lot of friends, and a lot of support from the industry. It's um, done with a lot of sponsor support. There's a couple of key families that really really help, and actually Snow Sports New Zealand is a big backer of us. Um, All right. If it wasn't for Luke Hetzel and Matt Pritchard at Snow Sports financially con- contributing, I don't think I'd still be running it to be honest so how did the junior tour go yeah it was a interesting year for us this year um obviously with all the covid lockdowns and 
a lot of date changes, a lot of logistics we had to deal with. Um, it all went pretty well though. Uh, Olympus, we bailed straight to Olympus the day after we got free and we went straight to bottom heart, got into place. Bit of gnarly weather came through, some pretty heavy storm, probably one of the biggest wind cycles we've seen in a decade. Is that that thunder and lightning storm that I think the whole South Island got or something? Yeah, exactly, yeah. mate. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. It, was, it was full on. There was so much wind, like oh, thousands of trees went down in Canterbury and the power, oh, power went out to Olympus. Oh, of course it did. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Uh, you never have Wi-Fi at Bottom Heart, and we had Wi-Fi this year, and that went down. No Wi-Fi to try and run an entire international sanctioned event. <laughs> just, oh, man. just a few more curveballs to bunt away. Um, the stars aligned, though, on the Saturday, and we got stunning weather. It was blue skies, not a breath of wind, maybe five centimetres on some pretty heavy, uh, pretty hard and rollerball-y sort of snow underneath. Oh, yeah. yeah, the grommets were pretty nervous, but um, it was a cool little venue right next to the uh, main toe at Olympus. It's a little slope called Molly's. From from the edit that I've seen circulating around, it looked like they weren't too faced by the conditions. They no, handled it. Yeah, yeah, the kids so. certainly, certainly handle any conditions we throw at them. Um, mm. Yeah, as I said, the, the stars aligned and the weather was amazing and everyone sort of, Turned down a gear, we gave him a bit of a warning, just being like, hey, we've got a lot of kids to get through, if someone hurts themselves, it's a bit of a downer, and we maybe not be able to finish the event. Um, kids are really smart these days as well, though, they just make good decisions. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Free ride, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's Uncle D just bleating it at them every single event to, <laughs> to calm down, and it's not the day to win world tour. Mm. <laughs> But uh, no, they all rode super well. Um, as I said, the weather was amazing. My crew, they always help me out so much. It makes my job so easy. It's pretty um, sort of loyal band of, uh, shall we say, snow pirates that have um, been working with you over the years on this one, right? Yeah, definitely, mate. We've mm. had some superstars work Big on the tour. names. Huge like, names have come on the tour. I've like, seen like, Sam Smoothie and... Yep. That yeah, it, yeah, as we touched on earlier, man, Smoothie was a big part of creating this whole thing. Um, we This year we had a couple OG returns. So, oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, Mark Bridgewater is a phenomenally talented um, photographer, and he came back on board this year. He was our original. We got to recreate the class photo, which was really nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> he... Uh, Took some imagery that was incredible. We had Genevieve King, who owns and operates Middle Hill Bike Park. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. What's o- up, Genevieve? Yeah, OGG. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, was a snow park patroller back in the day, mm. back when we were all young, dumb, and doing stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Nick Johnson helps us every, every year. Speaking of snow park patroller, yeah, he was one too, eh? Yeah, and then cat driver extraordinaire, travel the world. Yeah, photographer. And ripping... Ripping snowboarder. Ripper Still. snowboarder, yeah. I mm. Nick could do any role in the junior tour for me, and uh, i get him in there to actually be the anchor man for the patrol mm. guys when they actually need to rescue someone, because mm. he's so talented and so knowledgeable. So, you know that picture I posted after Will J's interview of the 50-50 on that triple cone rail? Oh, yeah, yeah, Nick yeah. Johnson took that. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. I mean... Man. Yeah. 
Talk about talent. And it's so funny, right? Because <laughs> it's such a banger shot. And it's like, oh, did they get published? You're like, well, they, they said they had too many Will J pictures already or some shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Too many shots of, of, uh, of Will J. Um, yeah. What's up, Nick, if you're listening? Yeah. And Genevieve too. Rad. Yeah, well, that's yeah. so cool because Genevieve um, pretty much carried your event one year, right? Yeah, she certainly quite did, mate. a few mate. years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, as I touched earlier in the in the podcast, I have had a couple massive low points in in the junior tour that I run, and that year I unfortunately broke both my arms. Oh. Decided to uh, dislocate my left elbow and then shattered the head of my humerus um, into several pieces. And how'd you do that? Just mountain biking, and oh. it's never the cool stuff. <laughs> never is. <laughs> Nah, again, cooked it, <laughs> just fell off my bike, front wheel slipped out. Gee, the star that she is just came to my came to the hospital, came to my bedside, tried to extract as much information out of my morphined mind, and yeah, ran, went to the North Island, dealt with a massive rainstorm with a competition, and got it done. Man, I almost wow. tear I almost tear up thinking about how how G did that for me. It's pretty incredible. Man, that's that's unreal, eh? Mate, that's what that's what friends are for and that's <laughs> yeah. what that's what this tour and community are all about. Mm. It's about people having each other's backs. Well, I kinda so. like that vibe that <clears throat> and I'm not sure if that's just clever marketing from the social media crew, but it looks like everyone's at the top of the event and everyone's sort of st- stoked for the other riders like everyone wants to see everyone do well and not get hurt and you know so I, I do like the uh, camaraderie that comes out of the media from the free ride side yeah definitely mate yeah um, yeah um no one wants to see someone get seriously hurt um no one wants to be second yeah <laughs> so there's a bit of a bit of rivalry but uh no nah, everyone's patting each other on the back kids are looking out for each other making sure snow's off their ski boots or the, the bindings are nice and tight on the snowboarders and everyone's helping each other out. Yeah, it's, de- mm. it's definitely a lot more camaraderie than other disciplines. Mm. Um, I, I, and then we're talking about the top of the venues and yeah. there's, there's one man in particular who's always up there and he's running my event for me because when I run the junior tour, it's me essentially running the whole tour. But on the competition day, because I'm the head judge of the Freeride World Tour, I want to make sure the judging is legit for our Kiwi kids. Yeah. So I step back and become the head judge on the day. Yeah. And then Rupert Smith, who we've also talked about earlier, yeah. steps up and he runs that show for me. So Sweet. thank you, Rupert. You're such the man. He's an incredible snowboarder, super passionate about free ride. Usually he gets a he's always knocking on a podium at our four star in New Zealand. And uh yeah, he's he's a he's a special man. So Right. Yeah. So you got all these like this crew working with you that all snowboard as well as the ski crew and stuff and did you have many snowboarders in Olympus this year? Nah mate, we only had the one lone Timu Fitzpatrick. He's oh, yeah. uh he's come through the ranks, through the age groups. <clears throat> Timu's now seventeen, turning eighteen. I think he's eighteen. Uh he is gonna be representing New Zealand now. Mm-hmm. Um and he rode a man line. It was great yeah. to see him ride really well, deal with those nasty conditions pretty like really well mm. and actually took some good decent sized ears full line yeah oh, sweet yeah. go Timo yeah exactly mate Christ yep. I remember and uh, Adam working in the workshop a couple of years ago did I, did I ever tell you about his first day working for me yeah you, yeah. <laughs> you can tell the listeners though mate they'll love to hear that <laughs> so first, first day <laughs> shows up with like three 
Was it three uh, three lines shaven in his eyebrow or something? <laughs> You're like, this is your first day on the job. You know, customer facing. Like, what gives, Timo? <laughs> and uh, oh, I need to find a picture of it. And uh, he's like, oh, I don't remember it happening. I thought it was a dream, but it happened or something. Or it's an interesting first day at work. What? And he's like, well, like, you know, teenagers being teenagers. Like, oh, so you have a couple of cans. He's like, yeah, yeah, I had nearly a dozen, but I told my mum I'm a lightweight and only had four. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, well, some things just don't change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm sh- and I'm sure Patricia knew that. <laughs> so, you can't pull the wool over mum and dad's eyes. Mum and dad aren't that dumb anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we've yeah. all done that. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, how did you know? <laughs> uh, speaking of Patricia, she actually stepped up hugely this year as well. Timu's mum, as I always say, the in, the New Zealand Junior Freeride Tour is a community, and everyone helps us out. Mm. Patricia this year did all of my registration and all of my results. And it was super nice to be able to delegate that and take the weight off my shoulders. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, exactly. And then you had uh, the event at Remarks. Yeah, and yeah. How, how'd that all go? Yeah, Remarkables, again, we had some curveballs thrown at us. Uh, no power outages or Wi-Fi loss, but uh, the forecast was for blue skies and the forecast was wrong. They, <laughs> they, it was a big fat cloud hanging over Queenstown and it was actually snowing on arrival. Um, again, because of COVID, it was a really tricky scenario for us and we had to reschedule the event actually. And that weekend we were supposed to be at the mighty Mount Ruapehu, but Tura um, unfortunately weren't able to host events with level two. So Ross at Ross Lawrence, as it says on the name badge, went, stepped on up. He loves the Tour. He is the biggest frother there is in the ski community for management of a ski field. And Rosie and the crew and marketing, huge help as well. And we all stepped up. And yeah. How funny was the day we were up there? It's like, oh, where's the manager? Oh, he's out in the digger digging the... Um yeah, buddy thing in the yeah the the, uh, the the corkscrew the corkscrew yeah, yeah exactly yeah. going up to do a recce to talk to the patrol and where's the manager he's out in a digger yeah. good good on you good Ross on you, mate. <laughs> what, what's this uh, claim he made about remarks oh yeah well a... I actually fully agree with him because he he's claiming that uh, remarkables is the home of free ride uh, okay. for New Zealand and I really have to agree with him. Um, TC is obviously the home of Instagram and frothing and free riding in New Zealand, by far. Mm. You're never going to take that off them. That's mm. where the crowd and the vibe and everything like that is. Yeah. But Remarkables, that has progression. Yeah. From uh, easy traverse out from Curvy Basin now, from the top of their new chair, to the traverse into shadow basin venues. Really easy, and then you can just step on up from there and if you can handle a bit of a hike you can really get the blood going eh? oh man yeah. see, see some of rmb's lines oh, holy shit man, you can get so after it at remarks you can get so after it that you are like technically climbing stuff that's like harder than it, k2 like there's, <laughs> there's there's climbing routes up there that are like super gnarly so mm. that's what i mean by progression and why it really is the home of free ride mm. because you can have easy powder turns down homeward basin down to the down to the bus mm. or you can go and climb single cone mm. and really get puckered up and 
it's a mountain where you've got to have knowledge, though, as well. Because remember, we went on that day yeah. and we turned up a little bit late in the morning and had it all our kit, but we did the smart thing. We went and talked to patrol. Solar had been on those aspects for five hours already, almost, yeah. from sunrise, about four yeah. hours maybe. And we made the call not to do it. Backed away. Yep. And that's yeah. why we're still alive today, Tony. Yeah, it is. It sometimes is. you've just got to make those smart calls. And then you look I know at R&B was out there at 8.30, yeah, yeah. and he got it. Yeah. r and <laughs> so, a bit smarter than us. Oh, he's <laughs> living a little closer to town, slightly nicer wagons. But, uh, but uh, I mean, you look at that terrain that's even above the lake shoots there, oh. and there's some heavy exposure, and then the lines through. Yep. And it's just like, whoa, that's... I mean, you, you can't take anything away from, like, TC, like, steeps off the... Cheer, absolutely. For sure. And right. the shoots. The shoots yep. are amazing oh, at, at, at Triple Crown. Certainly not putting it down. And um, But then, yeah, remarks. Uh, I think it also just gets forgotten about because a lot of people seem to focus on just the, the groom runs there. Totally. But, yeah, if you can handle... Yeah. I've had some fucking great days in the, like, the well, lake shoots and then over in Doolins and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Unreal well, place. Paula Hearn got a world record in there for the world, one of the world's biggest cliff jumps at, at the time. Yeah, and that right. was a hard pack. <laughs> like <Okay>. kiwis <laughs> yeah um yeah talking of r&b uh that legend uh was our barbecue cooker so right. again because of covid we kind of won their remarks because we were able to have a big barbecue at the bottom of the finish line and amongst everyone we all had to spread out try and do our social distancing that we could uh but r&b uh, discovered that he really likes doing barbecues, apparently. <laughs> North, North Face uh, asked me to put on some, some food for everyone, and um, the guys from Beer Effect gave us a whole bunch of kombucha, and Rolly's Dogs was born. Rolly's Dogs. <laughs> Rolly's Dogs. Uh, thankfully, Henry Van Ash was late getting up, and as a bit of a butter-up to say sorry to me, because he managed to sneak up the road. Un- under my name <laughs> when the road was closed he uh Didn't he sneak under his own name <laughs> i thought he would have just blown up personally <laughs> but uh uh r&b got some vegan dogs out of that one so he got oh, to have a feed after oh, cooking 200 sausages <laughs> and if you want to see grommets that like gannets put a barbecue on <laughs> It's pretty full on. Pounding away the kombucha. Oh, yeah, yeah, Christ yeah. is not used to it. I might catch up on them on the way down. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was a bit worried about. And the 0.5% alcohol. Yeah. Oh, Daddy, we got to pull over. Yeah, yeah. Oops. Eight-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of legends, uh, Glenn Leggett. Uh, oh, loved nice. his podcast by you. Uh, all, yeah, uh, and he... Uh, I've been training Glenn for a few years now, coming on board as one of our judges. Yeah. Um, obviously, he has a huge amount of experience behind him with free riding and being a pioneer of the sport in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and he had no remarkables pretty damn well, too. Oh, he? mate, he was jumping off that breakfast rock when those under 14-year-olds were jumping off the, <laughs> at, yeah, at that yeah. same age. So yeah. he's been riding that terrain well, probably before any of them were born. How, how funny was it on the chairlift when we were like, Chris, now he's like, that giant rock there. Oh, yeah, it's the cab five off that. Like, oh, you get a picture? No, it's just like, duh, it's mm-hmm. just there and did it. Like, what? It's just what, <laughs> it's what you did on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's great to have Legs involved. He's uh, super passionate, and I look forward to dragging him around the entire tour in the future. Sweet. Yeah. And did you have um, much of a show up on the snowboard side of things this time around? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, we had a few more snowboarders turn up. Definitely more than just Timu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, a lone little under 10 snowboard girl, which was incredibly cute. Mm. Um, and then an under 14 female as well turned up. So because they're girls, uh, I kept them in their own categories. And we, want, we really, really want to encourage those girls to get involved and start bringing more friends along. Mm. Uh, we had seven under 14 snowboard boys turn up. And uh, because they actually turned up after the registration closed, and I'm a really nice guy, (laughs) I actually let them in. Um, I explained with the coaches, uh, Ellie from Remarkables, who had her crew, and then actually Sean Lee, Ed Lee's wife, she brought her son and a bunch of uh, Kadrona kids over, and... There were only seven of them and one lone under 18. Mm. So because Timu is actually chasing the Junior World title, we talked with the coaches and asked if we could do an open category for the boys. So all of them under under 18, an open category. Uh, This is because Timu needs points, these points, especially Remarkables points, because they're the highest sanctioning event Mm. we can get worldwide apart from the Junior World Champs. So it's really important that he got these points to be able to go overseas and chase this world title. We've actually made three Junior World Champions in freeride snowboarding already. Finn Finn Duffy's won it twice, and Ronan Thompson's won it. Right. Both got overall titles. Craig Murray's also got it in skiing, but for snowboarding, we've never had the numbers, but we're getting the results overseas. Right, so if we had a few more numbers, we might get a few more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's all possible. New Zealand snowboarders are actually extremely talented. I don't know what it is about the teaching here. It must, it must just be that, again, that community thing, and they all look at like the, the heroes like Carlos and Tian and JJ and all that, mm. which were grommets to us. But yeah, now, but, and look at who those guys were looking at. Exactly. Nick Brown and Will J and those dudes. And and, all those dudes are uber styly mm. and their styles just come through the generations and snowboarding. So, so there really is a pathway. I think we've talked about this before, that there's a pathway to world championship that's currently not being taken by the New Zealand snowboarding community or yeah. seriously by it anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just not really known. Like, it's hard to get that information out there. Mm. And, and speaking about information, to go back to those kids and how we made that open category, mm. uh, a bit of a bad thing by me was I only talked to the coaches about this because that's all I saw. I didn't yeah. meet the parents. I didn't see the parents. Oh, right. So yeah. I just spoke to the coaches because they were coming to pick up the bibs. They unfortunately didn't communicate that open category to the dads. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> kind of see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> you can oh, see no. where this is going. Um, yeah. Really bad on my part that I didn't actually explain this during the writer's briefing. That's I'm totally owning that myself. Mm. Um, you could imagine running a tour of events is rather stressful by myself anyway, let alone with COVID and let alone letting people in at the last minute. Um, all I want to do is involve everyone. Yeah. I don't want to turn kids and people away. Yeah. Um, who knows who that kid could be? Mm. He could be the ne- he could be a future world champion. Mm. And if we don't let him in, we might. Lose that opportunity for that child. Well, here we are saying, oh, and, you know, all this work to include snowboarders and then turn them away. Totally, you know, bro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of an oxymoron, and I don't want yeah. to do that. Um, it was, again, I own that completely. Um, I should have communicated that more clearly, um, but I hope that if the dads are listening or people are coming in the future, that 
they kind of get it because yeah. we Timu went through the same thing. Yeah, Timu was a 12, 13-year-old competing against 17-year-olds. Yeah. We just didn't have the numbers. We needed those points for those guys to go overseas who became junior world champions. But it's also worked well for Timo, right? That Totally. He knows what he needs to go. You need, you know what like, you need like to get to. the standard was set for him when he was competing. Was it Finn Duffy he was competing against? Exactly. So the standard's already been set. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully with these eight, this eight kids, yeah. they've seen the standard like, right, well, that's that's it. And then hopefully it'll be leapfrogged beyond e- exactly, it. Exactly, mate. Like, like we see in the freestyle in the parks. Sort of exactly. You know? exactly. These kids like, get so good, so quick. They know that mm. they see the lines. They need to do that. They want to do the lines. Yeah. They go do the lines. Yeah. Uh, Quick one for the watch for the listeners. If you want to watch an insane freeride world tour qualifying run, Finn Duffy Nonda. Just Google that. Finn Duffy Nonda. N E N D A Z. It is insane. Check right. that. Out. Check that out. And he, and this is uh, <laughs> this is what happens when you come up through the junior tour. Exactly, mate. Hey. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, the pathways there. Uh, the, it's just how I get the information out to mm. the snowboard community is how I'm struggling. The New Zealand snowboarding crew from uh, Instagram are really have been promoting us a lot this year. Um, through the resorts, we try and promote as much, but obviously they have so many events happening they can't mm. be promoting us months in advance. Because I think your remarks comp was on the same day as a slope style comp. It was, right and that is oh. classic New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> no, no disrespect to the other events, but we've got a short winter. Especially with the COVID lockdown, just we, we had a slalom race the same morning mm. at Remarks. Yeah. So there were there were seventy children there before I was there at seven thirty. Christ, it was chaos. Mm. Um, oh, and so <clears throat> speaking of the these events and all that, is there some brands that have been helping you out with their um, event sponsorship? <clears throat> that, yeah. Um, yep sort of alongside the snowboard community well the snowboard side of things uh we've we've definitely struggled in the past um there's a really nice guy called jim and he makes some snowboards up in christchurch uh they're pressed out of the capita factory so they're actually really legit boards Hmm. uh and that's a brand called make ape and he's been supporting us with the mount olympus freeride open slash mofo um and that's he's been giving us prizes as snowboards which is awesome prizes yeah. to give away but but that's for the adults mm. uh for the juniors no right. <laughs> to be blunt no we haven't had much support at all from the snowboard community uh brands it's kind of like that chicken and egg scenario like how do we get a snowboard brand involved when we've only got two or three kids competing yeah and so the, well the kids can Oh, yeah, yeah and, totally. And I've got such amazing support from Vocal because Vocal, luckily I'm personally connected with Vocal International, mm. so I get crazy product off them sent out from Europe to so be able to stock out our kids. Pairs of skis and all Ex- that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I get these amazing products, lots of lots of soft goods, but I've got nothing for the poor snowboarders. Oh, so well. they don't want a Vocal hoodie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, snowboard brands, if you're listening out there, it's, uh, maybe maybe it might be time to step up a little bit. Just, <laughs> just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, um, come, come join. Free riding. Craig Kelly was all like free riding about the future. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that does bring me to, to the North Face, though, and the North oh, okay. Face have stepped up massively to help us. They, 
a title sponsor this year. I've got really good gut feeling that this is going to be a, a long-term relationship with them. They've been back in New Zealand free ride in general since the 90s. Yeah. So it's, it, it was a bit of a uh, kind of made, made made in heaven marriage that they mm. just sort of came along. And, and so, so they sort of... Like they support uh, R&B as yeah, well. Yeah, hugely. You know, yep. and yeah, and they're, they're yeah. massive supporters for our top free, free ride skiers as well. Mm. Uh, Sam Smoothie is one of their top five athletes in the planet. Yeah. Janita Kuzma does huge missions for North Face. And, and they're one of those brands that uh, have a career path for you. Yeah. Like Janina's a prime example. Mm. So free ride athlete, then a half pipe champ, and then going back to free ride, and now mountaineering and getting a guiding ticket. Mm. That's really a pretty standard pathway in our industry. And it's pretty cool that that brand sees value in that, whereas there'd be other brands be like, oh, they're doing what? Well, we'll see you later. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're not in the comp circuits now? No free gear for you. Whereas North Face are all about you getting into the mountains. Um, Their two questions to me were, how are you getting women involved in the industry? into free riding mm-hmm. and how are you including everyone mm, in so free riding how did you answer those two questions uh for the for the females is we're actually getting pretty damn good numbers um mm. jess hot is a prime example of girls seeing a pathway yeah she's now won a world tour event she's and a professional rider does she come through no she didn't come through the junior program but no. uh, we found her in the north island and uh Uncle Dion gets a lot of questions, hmm. and she just sort of drew. We just skied today. To, uh, sorry, to ski together one day, and just had a chat. And she really wanted to compete. Came down south, competed, and told her, "If you want to be a world champion, you need to be in Southern Lakes. Hmm. You can't be skiing in the North Island with that many closed days." Yeah, um, it's unfortunate because Rupai who has epic terrain, but it doesn't have the year-round scheme it's, it's notorious for the weather patterns that hit it isn't it yeah exactly yeah. And, and and like working for any resort mm. you get pretty burnt out yeah. like it's just a lot of working and a lot of time and a lot of energy and mm. if she needs to be a world champion you need to be skiing yeah <laughs> you need to be on snow in your boots yes yeah. training yeah 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 um and then to involve everyone is really uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to the North Island, and that was going to be a pretty big one for us. Um, yeah. We had some pretty mainstream media that were going to promote us. A lot of radio stations up there were really keen to help us. A lot of the local schools were really interested as well. Um, it slips in between the North Island and secondary schools, which is actually one of the biggest events in Southern Hemisphere. It's right. Thousands of kids turn up to those. Bloody hell. It's crazy, man. Don't yeah. go to Tura on that day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's also really neat to see because mm. there are those snowboarders out there, they mm. get several hundred, like or maybe over a thousand turn out to the mm. North Island Secondary School Snowboard Champs. So right. again, it's just getting that information out there to them mm. and showing them that these kids have this pathway. So uh, I've got really interesting ideas for what we can do with the NCJFT in the future. I want to mm. make more uh, webisode sort of style um, edits. That's why our edit was quite long this year and took quite a while to come out because we really wanted to showcase nearly everyone. Mm. We can't show every single run and every single rider, but man, there's just so much good writing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Remarks is going to be a long edit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so much good writing there. Oh, man. Um, quickly going back to Remarks, it was really icy. Yeah. Really icy. And the kids did 
so well. Mm. Uh, they skied incredibly well. The snowboard is all all road really well. Mm. It was definitely an intimidating day to be on a snowboard. Yeah, one edge on some hard pack. Oh man, ice. like hard pack. There was a, a young girl skier who's one of the strongest skiers out there. Took a huge fall, fell at the top, slid all the way down the valley or down the venue because it was really icy Damn. and went over some rocks. It was pretty heavy to watch. Yeah, have you had a few moments like that? We like, oh fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, especially in the juniors, yeah, because. Uh, you're feeling that what the parents are feeling in a way mm. like i feel responsible running these events for these kids and it's an extremely dangerous sport mm. with no practice as well mm. and it's because obviously there's a safety briefing at the start where he's like so what's involved with that safety briefing there's, um, um, i mean apart from the obvious of like do this don't do that sort of thing are, are you recommending certain areas of the face like off oh, you do this no if you if you put ideas into kids heads or especially at a briefing in the morning because yeah. you can only really do the briefing in the mornings before the event mm. and kids glass over pretty quickly yeah. they don't really listen they're pretty focused on what they're already doing yeah. so i just really dr- try and drill it into them that like to make good decisions yeah like know their line inside out and and also just to uh be safe mm. like it's all about being safe out there yeah yeah, yeah. live to ride another day exactly mate yeah mm. yeah um i really the only things we sort of say to them is uh there's a bit of a rule if you crash and you fall over and you're not hurt then give us a big wave and yeah. get your stuff together collect yourself don't rush out of there um we do ask that they don't jump off other things once they've crashed because once you've crashed and rattled yourself you're not really going to do any better the yeah. kids actually do people not just kids i've seen adults do it as well mm. they'll go jump off their next feature and, and if you've rattled yourself you're not going to be focused properly yeah and you can easily break a leg and that's our day over yeah and then and then if you've already fallen the run sort of already been scored at that level anyway so exactly you can rebuild a score from right. from having a mistake so if you're at the top of a free ride run and you sort of fall you can build your score back up a wee bit mm. but if you take a massive ragdoll and have an issue, yeah, like or lose a ski. That's a classic one for skiers. If you lose a ski, you get no score. Yeah. So snowboarders, if you ever enter our comps, don't unclip your bindings. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the only way you can get a no score in yeah. snowboarding. <laughs> and I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those things are torpedoes once they take off too. Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. especially a free ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's given a platform to some pretty high fro profile riders to move on is that right or yeah yeah most definitely mate um again that's why we did it is because we have these super talented children in new zealand that just look up to our pros um namely would be uh hank billis was 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 one of our first that won and went to the junior worlds and now he's on pro tour craig murray was also one of them he was also overall junior world champ um won the qualifiers one year and only first year on as an adult straight to the pro tour uh finn duffy uh, sorry finn, finn billis also qualified um and then that brings me on to finn duffy um mm. who was an exceptionally good snowboarder still is an exceptionally good snowboarder it's just coming back from a pretty heavy heavy head injury um and ronan thompson as well has also right. come through yeah yeah through our snowboard program yep. oh sweet mm-hmm. so there is there is a pathway there through was yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and there's also James Thompson as well, who's our latest. He's a North Island kid um, who's, who's a little shredder. Yeah, there, 
that, that's kind of why I started the NZJFT as well. It's, again, bridging that gap between skiing and snowboarding, girls and boys, including everyone. I love the whole community of of the ski industry, mm. and I wanted our free ride community to get closer again, and that's mm. why I've done this. And um, It's pretty special. Um, mm. My biggest kicks I get out of it, actually, to be honest, mate, is uh, seeing the parents. Yeah. The parents become friends. Yeah. So I've created, like, we're creating these, like, friendships that mm. will last generations, which yeah. is super rad. Yeah. And then they go overseas and ski together. Mm. And then they have holiday experiences together. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it brings a tear to my eye, to be honest, mate. It's yeah. <laughs> so rad. Yeah. <laughs> this event sort of created a whole lot of athletes on the Pro Tour and Freeride World Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, effectively, because. Mm. We're running these junior events. There's also the qualifying events that we happen in New Zealand. So uh, there's the North Face Frontier. Shout out to North Face and the Winter Games for putting on that incredible event for our free ride community. Mm. Um, just to let everyone know that there's a sanctioning levels from one to four in the qualifying series, and four is the most the, the highest sanctioning with big prize money and big points to qualify so that'd be a four star yeah so we have a four star in new zealand which is a huge head start Mm. for kiwis to chase the tour and it's actually the first event of the year Mm. so if a kiwi gets that in the back pocket you've only got two more events to podium and you're in Mm. so it's 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 pretty achievable if you know what i mean yeah yeah and this north face competition that's in that's the remarks one is it yeah that's the one Yeah, yeah 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 And where's that venue? Is that above Lake Alta? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the Alta shoots. We've always wanted to go bigger than that, but uh, that bigger than that comes more budget. <laughs> comes heli bombing and that kind of stuff. We'd love yeah. to do off single cone or off off the top of uh, like further lookers left than just the Alta shoots. But yeah. it's already eighty grand plus to put on a four star. Yeah. People probably don't know how that's how much money it costs. Yeah. So to add heli budget in then that's just money yeah it's, yes. it's, it's sad um hence why it's cancelled this year unfortunately it's just covid killed us again mm. uh, yeah and just talking off mike um you had a message to the snowboard community oh especially the new zealand snowboard the community. new zealand snowboard community yeah for sure uh like uh, we we want snowboarders to come into the free ride more there's so much talent in new zealand with snowboarding and it's a Free ride is a real natural progression for everyone anyway. Mm. It's just that most people get into free riding after their career. Mm. And that the pathway at the moment to go into park, which is the natural progression for snowboarding mm. because that's where everyone wants to do, is really difficult. Mm. And it's ruthless. Mm. If you're not landing certain tricks at a certain age, you're done. Mm. And we aren't about that. We're about people putting down creative lines and having fun and being included. So if you want to be a part of a world where people want you to be there and people will tap, will pat you on the back when you still don't put a good run down, then come to the Free Ride Junior Tour. It's, it's, a, it's quite easy pathway for snowboarders to mm. get into a different world of filming because, most again, most snowboarders will go to Free Ride late and they'll learn free ride late. Mm. Whereas Europe, there's a lot more kids that are learning avalanche stuff and safety at 10, 12 yeah. years old. Where most pros don't know that until they're 20. Yeah. So 
knowledge with with knowledge comes skill and skill mm. comes knowledge so um yeah i just want so uh, our, our arms are open snowboard mm. community in new zealand come so, and uh come and be a part so in a nutshell <laughs> there's a pathway for a kiwi snowboarder to be a world champion that's currently not being taken right now yeah totally i struggle to get a podium Jesus. at junior events in new zealand Jesus. I have girls competing against boys because I do not have the numbers. Right. And it's sad. Mm. I can't... Especially I, we know that the snowboarders are there too. Oh, mate. And again, I, I've, I judged Junior Nationals for 20 years. Like, there's 200 of them at every every event. <laughs> like, mm. I know they're there. And I know it's difficult for the, for, for the coaches and the parents because it's such a limited winter in New Zealand and you don't want to be doing event after event every weekend and not actually skiing. Yeah. And that's what I... That's really what I put across about free ride, and that's why I've only got three events on the tour, mm. is because we have to wait until spring almost to have the snow conditions, the base, because you can't run free ride events with no base. It's just mm. stupid and dangerous. Something that I really noticed uh, out of past episodes was actually what Zoe and Carlos had actually mentioned, which was there was no other pathway for them to take to become a pro snowboarder, and this is effectively another pathway for kids to get in. I will say to any athlete that is chasing the Ferrero World Tour or anything in life, any other discipline, it's a stepping stone for your career. Mm. Competition, you're not going to be competing at 70, are you? Mm. So you need to have a forward, uh, a bigger picture in front of you and know that what you learn and your knowledge out of competition is what you're going to take to your filming. So mm. it's a... Uh, it's a mm. cool pathway because the community of freeride is very embracing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So come on, snowboard community, step up. Yeah. We're waiting. C- come and take down these skiers, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, shit. Uh, I mean, freeriding has been such a big part of snowboarding and, you know, Craig Kelly made that very evident early on. So, yep. you know, it's it's a huge part of us. For sure. Hey, R and B comes to the to the free road comp all the time, and he he tries to take down our skiers. Yeah, he's been what longer one of the longest standing snowboard pros ever, isn't he in New Zealand? Well, I think Dylan said that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's had the longest pro career. Yep. Well, you've brought him up. Let's talk about R and B. Because I mean, that's a he's he, again the guy that he went through the whole freestyle thing, freestyle in the backcountry, and now he's competing on the free ride world tour. Yeah, yeah. So, so Royal Morland Brown, uh, g'day Royal, shout out mate, I hope we get to see you this winter, um, in New Zealand, uh, is partners with Maria Kuzma, and Maria's been on and off the Free Ride World Tour for a couple of years, and obviously, what your girlfriend does, you're going to follow, so <laughs> uh, R&B decided to sign up, and he's come real close a couple of years to qualifying, um, classic, classic New Zealanders. We don't get any wild cards for Ferrero World Tour, so New Zealand doesn't have any media outlets for them, right. and we're not a big enough deal to have wild cards. Zoe, on the other hand, they'll be different. But yeah. uh, but R and B, unfortunately, didn't ha- hasn't been offered. Um, uh, yeah, and then there's also like Rupert mm. and R- Rupert Smith. Before we go to Rupert, mm-hmm. can we talk about the switchback one? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean um, with R and B? Yeah, R and B. Yeah. yeah. So that was R&B's switchback one. That was so sick. He, we were in Montefon in Austria, and uh, it was a qualifier, and one of the most styly tricks I think I've ever seen. 
And thankfully, weirdly that day, I was judging snowboarding. Not I normally judge men's ski because it's the bigger category. Mm. Live judging, you got to be really quick and efficient. Um, but I was judging snowboard that day, and yeah, R and B was like, "Hey, bro, make sure you check out what I do at the top because last year the judges didn't have a clue what I was doing." And yeah, I called it. I didn't realize what it was, and he did a switchback one, and I went up to him afterwards and was like, "Is that switchback one, bro?" Because none of the other judges knew what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, I, I I managed to get it, but it was switchback one Japan. Whoa, <laughs> so Whoa. sick. May have been lean, but from where I because R and B knows I love methods. Yeah, like free ride method. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty stock standard, um, mm. and pretty styly. So. It, when when he found out that I like methods, then yeah, he usually puts a big fat method in there mm. for me. So is, is that a, a move as far as like a rider figuring out like what judges like? Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and it's funny because you can't like accept that the one judging panel is going to be the same as the other judging panel, what they mm. like. But yeah, he came to me one day and was like, hey, what, what, what grabs do you like? And I was like, well, do a method. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love methods. Make yeah. sure you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, um, he's got a damn good method on him, and mm. uh, it's kind of like that. It's like a setup trick as well. Not a setup trick, but like a stabilized trick. Mm. Like instead of doing a straight ear, which in straight ears and no grabs is cool mm. as well. But uh, yeah, he's man, he's got to go on. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the method that's pretty much. Uh, that, I mean, that used to be the judge in the 90s of a good rider. It was how good their method was. And, Pretty much, man. You know, they're, they're the images you see most of the time in the 90s. And still to this day around certain factions of riders, it's still the thing. For sure, man. For right. sure. Yeah. And uh, Rupert Smith. Yeah, Rupert. We've got to talk about Rupert a little bit here. It yeah. turns out he was the uh, benefactor to Carlos Garcia Knight with his first board, the Pooh Shooter Ride graphic. Yeah, isn't it hilarious what comes out on this podcast? Eh? So, um, this, this, on your Rupert for selling yeah. that to Carlos? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that was Carlos's first board and look at him now. Right, there we go. There we go. Step back and take a bow. Step forward and take a bow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rupert and I have become really good friends over the last few years. Um, he has been competing in the NZJ, oh, sorry, in the qualifying series in New Zealand since snowboarding was allowed into the free ski open back in the day so he's mm. got the free ski bib on his wall at home um and rupert's been always a really big advocate for free ride and just volunteered one year barely knew the guy came along oh yeah he's a snowboarder might be able to help out a wee bit um mm. <laughs> and uh and sure enough he became my event director and i'm yeah lining him up to do lots of different roles as well hopefully go to europe with the kids and um yeah, he's he's a, a good homie, um, really supportive because obviously the NZJFT is pretty stressful to run with uh, no budgets mm. and uh, pretty much a volunteer crew. Um, I pay my crew as much as I can, but it's all pretty raw and, and low. Um, and I've had some pretty low points in my life in the last few years, um, breakups with ex-girlfriends and pretty serious injuries um and rupert was there for me every time so thank you rupert um thank you to all my friends as well that have all been there for, for me mm. um yeah it's been that's what the industry is about man again mm. i don't think i'll be coming back to new zealand and making no money if it was for the community yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I just want to, while we're sort of talking about free ride competitions, um, Zoe doing the remarks comp last year, like how rad was that? Oh, yeah, man. That was like, again, I was at a pretty low point. Uh, I broke my leg the first day of the Obsidian. Um, unfortunately, skiing to the judges both just absolutely cooked it happens mm. that's usually when it happens yeah it's usually when you're not trying to do your hardest trick and you really hurt yourself anyway and yeah so zoe actually signed up to run the three star to go on the three star last year which just blew my mind because i was at a pretty low point with a broken leg and couldn't even attend the event which i'd put on my personally and yeah she turned up and it was just so awesome to know that she'd she'd already seen our culture she'd already come to an event and watched Hmm. but she'd seen the, the community and how much we how much fun we have and how supportive everyone is and she just came along and right. just dominated right. so <laughs> she, does she win that one? Oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she uh she just rides so well man and it was it wasn't a great day it was really windy really really windy and uh pretty windpack pretty bad snow and she just took it safe and smart and just got down the main sh- main shoot in about 35 40 seconds <laughs> <laughs> yeah just carving beautiful turns and jumped off a couple of things and just made snowboarding look beautiful and that's what the judges are looking for yeah mate all right so speaking of zoe uh she sort of mentioned there was quite a bit of differences between uh, competing in free ride to competing in park obviously because mm-hmm. they're two different things uh can we Draw some comparisons for the park competitions and how they are run as compared to a free ride competition. Um, yeah, for sure. So obviously park, you turn up and you get two or three days of practice, the same features over and over and over and over again. It's about repetition, mm. um, trying to be perfect, which is physically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then with free ride, it's very different. You turn up to the resort, you visually inspect the face. If you're lucky, you might get to hike up around the side of it to have a sort of look in from the side or from the top angles. Um, and then you get one run. Right. One, so no yeah. practice. <laughs> no practice at all. That's it. Just straight in there. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's a pretty huge difference. It is. That's the intimidating part of free ride. Mm-hmm. The non-intimidating part of free ride is the conversations that riders will have with you. Yeah. So majority of the time in free ride, we have run a comp on those faces before. There's a, that's the repetition part of free ride is that sometimes we go back to the same faces because they're the nicest faces on the face or in the resort. Mm. And someone's been down that before. Mm. So the difference is, is that the, the athletes will actually talk to each other about what that face is like. Everyone wants to survive. and No one wants to yeah. see someone die. Yeah, yeah. We like. I'm sure this. The every other rider's going. I hope he crashes, mm. but no one wants to see someone go down because we've seen a few friends go down in competition, mm. and it's really, it's horrible to watch. Mm. Yeah, one like, of those sort of everyone goes silent moments. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen friends in competitions get taken with avalanches the size of the entire basin of Cadrona mm. at once in a in a comp. I've seen yeah, people in their careers. It's it's no joke mm. yeah, yeah, yeah and there's no ski patroller just sitting next to the jump waiting to pick you up yeah it's a big deal when you hurt yourself in free ride mm. um 
Yes. So would that bring a tighter community amongst the riders and everyone involved then? Exactly, yeah. And on the Pro Tour, it's quite interesting to watch because from the first event, it's not a lot of intermingling. It's sort of different groups and then they sort of become friendlier and friendlier. And when you get to the final, the final's the Vector Ross in Verbier, which is fucking terrifying. Big, huge face, 600 vert face, multiple cliff bands in it. Like, it's... It's mountaineering yeah. face that they finish on. So everybody talks with each other for that event. No one's not sharing secrets. Yeah. And that event's been going for wow, 25 years now. And so there's been a lot of people down it. Mm. <laughs> so they talk about it a lot. Where Park, it's very separated now. There's mm. It's teams. It's national teams. Mm. So there's no like intermingling. The riders intermingle. Mm. But only when they're riding. But teams have got like team house, team tra- training facilities. Exactly. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where uh, well, the Kiwis were actually the only ones that had that sort of style in the qualifiers because we, we as in me and Luke and Matt at Snow Sports, were renting them apartments mm-hmm. for the qualifying events where no other nation was doing that. Yeah, there's no nation on the world that's funded for free ride competitively New Zealand is the only country in the world that has actually funded athletes for free ride right then that's a fact hmm yeah Yeah. different ways not Hmm. the government funding sport pathway that's not in any other country Hmm. yeah and um, so with the we're talking about a little bit about judging here and there and there's been a bit of an evolution over the FWT judging over the years yeah yep so the, new, the FWT judging system is continuously evolving. We have a board of writers, so our top level writers that have been there for a long time, they come and talk with us. Mm-hmm. We talk back to back about seasons and like on seasons and what worked and what didn't and what ideas they have. Um, it evolved from the IFSA system, which was one system which is separated categories, and they can only score. It's a hard. It's hard to explain, but they're very limited. With this, it's all about the line. Mm. So the line score is what everything is dictated on. Whereas with Free Row World Tour, it's an overall impression, and it's you start with fifty points in the gate. Mm. So every rider at a Free Row event has fifty points when you put on a bid. Right. And then it's up to you if you increase or you decrease your score. And it, we, when we're watching a run, we actually think in our head like a thermometer how hot is this run going is it getting better and better and better up and down like a thermometer and that's kind of where we finish um as i said it's an overall impression it starts it's out of 100 and it's about line so where you go down the mountain how steep and exposed that line is or did you take a really easy non-consequential line Mm. air and style so what you do on the takeoff to what you do in the air and what you do in the landing is one of the next category. So that's tracks, straight ears, potentially butters, off tracks, like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all your deductions with the landings. And then fluidity, which is a really important category, especially for kids, yeah. is that fluidity down the face, keeping that flow going. And that's where snowboarding's really bridged that gap for us because it's not just straight four line runs anymore. It's actually side, side ear transfers, awesome sort of different looking runs mm. and then there's control 
which is obvious if he's in control or not, they are in control or not, and then also, and then uh, technique. And yep. technique is more about the sort of kids. It's a category we're talking about evolving into something new because technique and pro. Mm. So I guess fundamentals are important there. Like if you're side-slipping that's what we things, it's not going to work so well. Exactly. So that's really the only thing we talk about in technique on the pro tour is if someone side-slips, skiing mm. and boarding. Yeah. So if they're falling leafing into a shoot, your score is plummeting. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're on one edge and you're continuously turning and continuously flowing, that's beautiful to watch, isn't it? Mm. You don't want to watch someone side slip in a video run. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to make the cut. Yeah. 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 Same same for for free ride judging. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. And is there a, uh, some advice for aspiring shredders that you would have? Um, for free ride, I'd definitely say to get some knowledge in you. Um, don't be scared to sign up to avalanche courses while you're at school. Mm. Um, the, the earlier we have knowledge to be safe in the backcountry, the better. Mm. Um, something I've been really trying to bleat into the kids um, on, the, on the junior tour in New Zealand is safety first, safety first, safety first. Um, and just have fun. Yeah, if you're, if you're not having fun... I don't know why we do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only reason I'm still doing this is because I'm still grinning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good that you talk on backcountry safety because I just can't emphasize that enough as, you know, we've both had experience with avalanches, both personally and lost friends and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And so uh, it, it, it's one of those things, it's like a car crash, right? It never happens till it happens to you. Yeah, totally. Or someone close and... You know, and I, I know a couple of guys that had the zap put on their head this year. They had to outrun something at TC. It's like you know, it's it's always there, man. And mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah, it's it's rad that you guys are bringing that into the kids so that they yeah yeah they yeah. Know that, well, you know, but sure. it's also a scheme like it's like riding with a backpack. Mm. Like that's compulsory in free riding. Mm. You have to have equipment on you. You have mm. to have avalanche gear in your bag. You have to have a transceiver on, even if the face is solid and checked and not going to mm. go things can happen mm. like with standing on mountains that are getting extreme solar from the new zealand sun mm. like yeah mm. and i've watched certain faces that have had like eight tracks down go after eight tracks you know oh, it's and, normally when it goes you know, <laughs> yeah yeah it's not normally the first one down mm. yeah yeah because yeah. you know you've always got the oh it's already got tracks on so it's stable and yeah you know, and, yeah 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 oh. no nah, it's definitely uh something we need to Something I need to do a lot more in as well. I've only had my, uh, my learnt my stage one, mm. um, done a few refreshes. Luckily on the pro tour, they make the world tour riders do um, courses while they're on on it. At least mm. two during the during the season, mm. some refreshes, which is yeah. great. Yeah, um, and you always learn something. Mm. And even even if you're knowledgeable and you know everything about avalanche. One day someone might just teach you something, a different way of looking at it. But no one really knows everything. No one knows everything. About it. Especially I mean, not. I mean, shit, talking about this now is like, fuck, I actually need to go and do a refresher. Likewise. Well, you know. Likewise. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my notes done there, Dion. Have you got, um, is there anything we've missed that we need to talk about still? Or? Um, as per usual, mate, I just love giving shout outs and thanks to a lot of people. Um, massive thanks. Oh, as I've heard so many times in your podcast already, thank you, mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I 
literally, if it wasn't for my mum and dad, I wouldn't even be in the position I'm in today. I'm still paying off debt that they helped me get into with a credit card. So mm. thanks, mum and dad. Um, my dad is my tax man. Mm. <laughs> he helps me. My brother as well. He helps me a lot. Um, he makes the plaques with me for all the kids. Um, my 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 supporters for the NZJFT, uh, the Sweet family, the Balsam family, uh, the Bridgens, uh, Luke and... Matt from Snow Sports, um, the resorts for backing us, uh, my girlfriend for for supporting me when I make no money, they still <laughs> wanted me to do it, um, yeah, and just all my mates, like you, yourself, like smoothies, both the smoothies, all my friends involved in the industry, they're the ones that keep me going, like I said, I've had some hard highs, and some mega highs, but some mega lows, and mm-hmm. they have all helped me through it and so so thank you everyone oh, yeah. sweet yeah. cool well we're going to um, roll into our stock enders these are a little bit different than our usual stock enders dirty skier so favourite rider ski and board ooh uh, ski definitely have to say JP Eclair mm. he yeah just 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 so so good um mm taken too early he not only was he a pioneer of park he was just such a good free rider too mm. like he would have been a world champion for our worlds if you wanted it yeah he was doing ak lines um his favorite snowboarder uh uh i might have to say terrier because mm. his methods from back in the day and he's they he does stand up today <laughs> such an iconic dude eh? such an iconic guy yeah mm. favorite mountain Ooh, that's a real tough one too. <laughs> For you, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've travelled to a few resorts, not not as many as others. Um, Verbier, I'm Verbier. moving to Verbier, and it's just lift access heaven. <laughs> All right, favourite board and favourite pair of skis. Ooh, uh, the my favourite board graphic is that graphic or oh, no, no, graphic no, it's later. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Favourite board. Uh, I'd have to, I'd, I, 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 I don't know maybe the Pantera oh yeah <laughs> just, just for the name alone eh yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good mate who uh, only rides Panteras oh yeah and he rides like Pantera plays so <laughs> <laughs> not loose because it He's strong, but he's fast <laughs> and aggressive. <laughs> um, and favorite skis? Uh, oh, I'd have to say my my vocals at the moment, mate. <laughs> be, 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 being good vocal. <laughs> favorite video ski and ski and snowboard. Ooh, ooh. Uh, oh, I'm gonna be so commercial and just say that's it. That's all. Again, Travis pivotal changing point in the in the in the game mm. and uh ski would be war war, war had like uh like um a vietnam soundtrack oh nice and jp the starting run was like him just sending sh- like 50 60 70 footers just constantly and just stomping everything it was really quite sick yeah Rad. yeah we, i need to show you that one it's a good yeah one. yeah <laughs> uh favorite gig Ooh, that's a tough one as well. Um, I was really lucky to go to Pennywise when I was 14. 
in oh, Gisborne. At their height. At their height, yeah. like couple of blood noses in the mosh pit, got on stage, <laughs> held Fletcher's guitar at the end of the gig. Uh, John Toogood took it off me and played a, a whale on it at the end. Like, because I didn't know what the fuck to do with the guitar. I just go, hey, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, but that's my favourite New Zealand gig. Mm. Uh, sorry, Pete Iggs, you're fucking, like, you're, you're by far my favourite, like, uh, anthems in new zealand like thank you for your your summer your summer music we love it um international gig had to be uh um acdc nice Hundred twenty-seven thousand people for a one-day gig it was quite an eye-opener Holy shit. yeah <laughs> and i didn't know there were that many bogans in ireland <laughs> <laughs> well favorite city uh common theme on this podcast is i'm not really a city guy mm. um hands down innsbruck yeah innsbruck is just mind-blowing if you haven't been there people go there mm. favorite track ski and snowboard Ooh, favorite track uh for a snowboard probably be a switchback one yep um or just a big dirty method yeah <laughs> uh skiing Myself, I love doing shifty 180s, like mm-hmm. so bad. They're my favourite thing to do on skis, um, mainly because I hate spinning. I, I'm not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. <laughs> A favourite uh, snowboard graphic and favourite ski graphic? Ooh, uh, board graphic would have to be the Pooh Shooter by uh, the Travis Price. Yes, uh, oh, was his first lib tech. Yeah, it was his first lib tech, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just a kid and I remember that graphic and I thought it was the funniest shit ever mm. um, maybe the crazy banana that I still have <laughs> just because mm. it's so ghetto I mean those two words together are amazing I know isn't crazy it crazy yeah. banana yeah yeah <laughs> on the snowboard too so there's that pink top sheet yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was like in the 90s <laughs> riding a pink board was just so funny <laughs> uh, and best ski graphic probably still goes down probably still goes to the Amada AR6 that actually had a uh, a picture of Bowie on it. Oh, right. Yeah, and I never got that for my dad. I always wanted to find that ski, and I never got it. So if anyone's got it out... No, you guys won't because you're snowboarders. But if, <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone knows someone that knows someone, though. Yeah, hopefully I'll find that one day for dad because it was pretty cool. Mm. Mm. And who has the best method? Uh... Live, maybe you. <laughs> Me? No. <laughs> I've I've seen you pretty pretty sick method on a doughboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, on the world tour, probably Giggy, because yep. Giggy has the sickest method. Uh, Terrier, otherwise, yeah, mm, yeah, oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. And a final bonus question: What is the key to a good method? Uh, I reckon a smile. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, if you're smiling, you're doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stoke is what it's all about. <laughs> mm. Rad. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it on that. Stoke is what it's all about. Thank you so much for your time, Dion, and good luck with your junior freeride tour. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's been a pleasure to be on here, and uh, I hope uh, people listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dion, it's good to have you back in the booth in uh, springtime. 2022 how's winter been it's been hectic as always in new zealand yeah, yeah. uh it's 
good to see some snow snow around. It's been an interesting winter of ups and downs with the weather and yeah. the snow but coverage. Before we go any further, I've got to crack this LMP. Oh yeah, love me some LMP back yeah. in NZ. <laughs> love it. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, man, if that's not, I don't know what is. Oh, the pyro, mate. What it's about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to sidetrack you there a little bit, D. Um, it's been a busy winter by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, winter's always really busy for me in New Zealand, especially coming home a little bit later this year. Didn't get back till sort of mid-August. Um, had a very good wedding to attend in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, hit the ground running. Oh, well, speaking of Europe, uh, it sounds like your season was a little bit different than previous seasons. Uh, this winter just been. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was still judging over in Europe. Um, I based myself out of Switzerland for a change um, with my beautiful now wife. Uh, so big change. Got married in February, uh, which was a bit earlier than what we expected, but wonderful for me to be able to live and work in Switzerland now. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. So thank you, Gretchen, for marrying me. <laughs> and also becoming a major part of the administration for the New Zealand Junior Freeride Tour. So it's been great to have someone to bounce off. It's been it's been a busy, busy one. Cool. So some co-pilots. Yeah, exactly. Co-pilot, the old uh, sh- shoulder rubber. <laughs> Take the stress off my life. All of that. Um, also, just putting some structure into the tour because the, the tour is just becoming so established now and really followed so um mm. it's good to have someone in there with some well, organizational yes. skills she would have the smarts for that with her background yeah exactly so. yeah yeah she, she's a contract lawyer bases out of switzerland um and does work for the for uk law so yeah it's really good to have someone with some structure in their life yeah. instead of <laughs> me that lives out of my bag yeah <laughs> a bunch of snow bums being sure we're right yeah exactly 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 yeah as, as you know i usually shoot from the hip quite a lot with comps so yeah it's good to have a lot more structure in there and it's growing significantly so it's yeah. it's, it's really positive yeah oh, cool and um there was a bit of a change with your dynamic with the world tour this year yeah yeah um after last year's winter 2021 um unfortunately we all lost a very big person in our life uh so rupert smith passed away from a heart attack in the middle of the uh bank slalom at at heart yeah on the 10th of october so that was pretty sad um a lot of us took that pretty heavy uh and then the freeride world tour um not as much demoted me but asked me to work on the qualifying tour which is i've been asking to do that for quite a few years it's just the monetary value doesn't sort of add up with the amount of work you do okay so for someone that doesn't know much about the tour uh what's the difference between what you were doing in the qualifying tour yeah right um so the the pro circuit is where you've is the cream of the cream the crop of the crop the top boys top girls um you qualify for that so that's where jess hotter and craig murray and all those top kiwis are competing the qualifying tour is we have we have qualifying events in New Zealand, so the Mount Olympus Freeride Open that I run, the North Face Frontier, they're the qualifying events, and that's a circuit around the whole planet. Um, and that's I had worked on the qualifying tour my whole career, but it's the stepping stone from to get into the pro circuit. Right. So the qualifying tour is essentially the breeding ground. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. quite, it's just like sanctioning again, just mm. like the first World Cups. So, okay. Yeah. And regarding your situation, what's the difference between going from the pro tour to the qualifying tour? Um, bigger numbers, so a lot more riders. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, it's a lot harder to judge because there's bigger pools, um, bigger categories to actually rank. Because mm-hmm. essentially, we're ranking. We're not just throwing points out there. Okay. It's, it, 
it's, it's a ranking of who's best on the day. Um, so yeah, just way bigger numbers, a lot more travel, more events. Um, so every single weekend, I had a different event to run to, different country, different places. Right. And unfortunately, they're all run individually, like how I run my comps. So the budgets aren't as big. So, right. Yeah. So. So sort of a more work, less pay sort of thing. Oh yeah, a lot more responsibility because yeah. I was running around as one of the head judges, so I was responsible for all the scores. Usually responsible to find some judges as well mm. and travel there as well. So probably walking away with about a hundred bucks a week, which is oh, pretty, wow. yeah. pretty low money. But um, I, I love that circuit and it's really, really fun to be on that circuit because to be honest, the qualifying circuits are almost rowdier than the pro circuit in terms of talent. Right. Because they're pushing to get onto the tour. Yeah, right. So Rather than saving their spot on the tour... They're yeah. really pushing it. Everyone's hungry. Oh, and they huck. Man, do they huck. Yeah. It is scary sometimes. <laughs> really? What, and the age group is just so young. So a bit of a new dynamic for, for that. A lot of juniors coming through that straight in and then straight into the qualifying, through the qualifying into the finals, into the pro circuit. And it's just wild. Mm. Um, again, new generations coming through, so slightly different attitudes a lot more seriousness to it as well where mm. when we first started 15 20 years ago there's a lot of the older uh, let's party hard after yeah. events and now it's a lot of i'm going back to work or going home to train to go to the next event right yeah it's not as much camaraderie as what there used to be so i think that mirrors um what we're seeing in slope and half pipe and all of those things too right like, exactly yeah you know, yeah yeah we as you know, as, as we talked about, I was a part of the whole pathway of what happened with the park world, and it, it's exactly, it's mirroring exactly what's happening there. So mm. um, it's just professionalism in sport. It's, sports evolve, things evolve. Yeah. It, it's just changed. So, yeah. yeah. Um, was that bank, we talked off mic a, a little while back about uh, Bankso in Bulgaria. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. that this winter just been? That was the one I just, the season just been. So Can we talk about that? Oh yeah, if anyone doesn't know about Bulgaria and Banksko, you should definitely go check it out. It's uh, it's not on many people's radar because it's a real lads retreat. Like It's like where British tourists go to get wasted and learn how to ski. It's not right. renowned for free riding. Um, I don't know if it was just because we timed it when we were there, but holy, the free ride there is gnarly. Yeah. Like straight out of bounds, straight off the resort is like a thousand vertical meters, off piste, big cliffs, good exposure. And the touring there is really accessible as well. Um, the venue we used was straight off the lift. It yeah. was a bit of a hike, but probably the best venue I'd seen on the qualifying circuit. Really? Unbelievable terrain. Yeah. Yeah. And the people just so inviting, so fun, really, really, really good hospitality. Like, as good, if not better, hospitality than the Frontier. And the Frontier's pretty damn good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, free meals for people. Uh, it was one of the cheapest places I'd been. But, yeah, it was still free alcohol for three hours after the, at the prize giving. Yeah. Which is pretty unheard of in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we can say we made mid party there. <laughs> <laughs> it was over um, St. Patrick's weekend as well. So, all right. it was all kinds of rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> But a really, really good time. Um, highly recommend it. We also got to go to Georgia this year and try and run a four-star there. And how did Georgia go? 
uh, terribly actually. We didn't get an event done. Um, oh. Bit too dangerous, too much snow, classic first world problems of a free ride um, destination. Mm. And it was a, just a really, really neat experience. Uh, very different. It is on the radar for a lot of people, mm. but wow, it is remote. Like, really remote. It actually would have been closer to flying to Sochi and cross the Russian border to go to where we went rather than going to the capital and then driving 13 hours to the mountain. Yeah. There are other resorts closer to Tbilisi, which is the Mm. capital, but um, we didn't go there. 13 hours in the bus. Yeah, and a really sketchy Delica van. Ah, oh, that's even worse. (laughs) We are... we all know where the second-hand car market from Japan goes, and that is here in New Zealand. Mm. I found out where all the beaten-up ones that are not good enough to go to New Zealand go, and that's Georgia. <laughs> they drive on the wrong side of the road with the wrong steering wheel side. Oh, no. And then no. the cars are so beaten up. <laughs> uh, the van that picked us up didn't even have a front bumper. It was just a radiator to the, to the elements. It was, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, but also you would have been getting in Georgia, which was an old Soviet... Um, state back in the day mm-hmm. uh, about the same time that old mate was starting to invade ukraine like how was that everyone it, must have been a bit on edge or? yeah it was just before they'd actually done it but so the armies were getting it on the borders and they were ready to go and we all knew it was gonna kick off it was just pretty terrifying to be honest going to sochi for the olympics was one thing but mm. being near that border and actually meeting ukraine people in georgia was Mm. quite overwhelming to be honest a lot of them we talked with them openly Mm. and we all said to them like what's going to happen if they invade your country all of them said they'll fight that's gnarly not one of them said they'll bail yeah it also puts whatever problems i've had this winter into perspective 100 percent, you know and there's gonna be some very real issues in europe this year they're talking about rolling blackouts and ski resorts having to shut lifts like oh it's the energy yeah the energy crisis they're gonna have over there and just before i left europe we saw the prices of everything skyrocketing so it's a little worrying going back to europe and speaking of qualifier tours um we talk about the new zealand junior free ride tour this year yeah for sure yeah, so, was, I feel like that's probably the qualifier of all qualifier tours. Well, as right. I said before, man, we're pretty damn established now, and uh, I didn't quite realise how many how many people around the world are actually watching and what we're doing. And uh, yeah, really, really amazing feedback from New Zealand, from the families, and also from overseas. South America has just started qualifiers again, and they've been watching us and really, really commenting. We're getting messages from people from around the world saying how stoked they are to see that we're doing well. So is that one of those things where you sort of, like, man, that's crazy because this is something I dreamt up in my living room. Totally, man. Yeah, yeah. Just something we thought of in Captain's Cafe eating pizza, watching kids ski tulips one day. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm so proud. It's in its eighth year now. And, um, yeah, it's really stepping up. Our numbers are getting out of control. Really? Uh, yeah, like we're clocking over 100 in nearly every event now, which is Fuck, that's huge. pretty awesome. Um, and it's not a cheap tour. It's not a cheap event for these kids to come on. Mm. To buy a license is really expensive. And then to pay an entry fee is expensive as well. Mm. It's not a it's not a regional mini mountain, if you know what I mean. It's not yeah. 20 bucks fit with your dad. Mm. Um, it's, it's a real deal. But there's a lot of hidden costs into running events like that. And that's mm. we still keep them as cheap as possible. We are 50% cheaper than any other event on the planet. And I, I do that re- relative to Kiwis. 
because mm. Kiwis aren't necessarily the elite of the skiing world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not all of us drive Mercedes that go yeah. up the hill. So. Um, well, I think a good compliment to what you're doing with the tour was you had this um, kid, Vaughan, fly over from Australia specifically to do it. Yeah, man. Yeah, he came over for Remarkables. Vaughan I met at uh, the Junior World Championships last year in mm. Kappel in Austria. So he travelled in covid restricted times out of yeah. Australia to go to the Junior Worlds and got along like a house on fire with him and his dad. His dad's an ex-pro. Neil Hardwick. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Super nice people. And um, yeah, they came over to Remarks just for the one event. And he, he took it out, got his points. That's what he needed. That's where he came. And he's off to the Junior Worlds again this year. So. That's a very, like, that's a better compliment than anyone saying, oh, that was awesome. Like 100%. Flew to another country to do it. Yep. Yeah. And then we even had Team Hotham come out for uh, Mount Olympus. Yeah. So they'd never been to New Zealand before, and all they did was the club fields. Right. And I knew the coach quite well, um, not personally really well, but we'd met a few times and talked. And yeah, he was he was like, "What kind of Kiwi experience do we need to do?" And I, I told him that clubbies are probably what they want to do. <laughs> yeah. You'll see who the real good skiers are there. Yeah. And they brought a snowboard crew with them as well, so it was right. awesome to see and. I think we'd got to the the top of our vibes for the tour now. Like, mm. I really am talking about community and inclusiveness and bringing everyone together, and it's all about safety. So we had a pretty real experience at Olympus at the end as well with a kid hurting himself and knocking himself out, having to heli-evacuate him out. And we haven't had that on the junior tour since our mm. very first event. It teaches the kids that free rider is actually really dangerous. Mm. And we've been getting lucky for a long time. So yeah. it was a good reality check for us all. Nice for me to know that our safety protocols were in place and that we're doing things as well as we can. Yeah. And uh, I just felt sorry for those three kids that didn't get to do their run because it was the last three of them, last three kids. Oh, man. And yeah. it's one of those things, though, if you have a huge accident like that, he, he only dislocated his shoulder and bit his tongue pretty bad because of the way he knocked himself out. Um, unfortunately, he just made a bad decision, and those things happen in free rides. So. so there's an education in there. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, so what, what were the venues this year? We did one event at Remarkables, which is our pinnacle event, the, yep. the number one supporter for us, the yep. home of free ride. The home of free ride, yeah. Yep. And then we had What's a brand it? new one at Triple Current. Oh, yeah. Who would love to claim to be the home of free ride. <laughs> but they're the home of the Rat Packs, for sure. That's what I always say about TC. If you want to become a really good skier, you go to TC. If you want to become a very good free rider, you go to Remarks. Okay. Because the progression of free ride at Remarks is pretty insane. Mm. Lift access lines to hiking double cone. Yeah. It's quite, it's... quite the range. As, yeah. you, as you've all seen R&B on the internet, yeah, telling everyone where the secret spots are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and so TC, to have an event at Triple Cone was just mm. so awesome. And working with Garrett was really, really rad. Oh, the, Garrett Shaw. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett's the man. I'm so, so stoked that he's working for that, that company now. Yeah. Um, also... Yeah, so am I. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously, you and Mackie is just so passionate about TC and to very enthusiastic, very. And, and then Sally Norman, I don't, didn't even know she worked there. So to have a blast in the past from Snow Park, like linking us all together again, was really, really, really rad. Mm. Um, anything I wanted, they did it. Patrol was so helpful. Dunes and the crew up there are just all about it. 
and again, I'm all about the safety aspect of it. So mm. I'm not trying to go into the shoots with the kids and make a, a big gnarly venue. It's about inclusiveness so the under sevens can ski with the under 18s. Yeah. So keeping them all together. The venue had enough that the kids could pick off a 30 footer if they wanted it. So what was the venue this year? The Is venue it? was actually straight above the six seater. Oh, yeah. So where the cat track comes back across from the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little A-frame peak next to the top of gun barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And just dropped in from there, across the, across the cat track. And then there's a little muddy Buddha next to the top of the six. Oh, cool. Spectacle for people coming up the six-seater. Mm. Put as many flags up as we could and <laughs> had, had some snarlers on the barbecue so everyone was smelling the sausages. And yeah, yeah it, was, it, was a, it was an amazing day. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, it was really fun. And the venue at Remarks was... In Shadow Basin, like it always is. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, there are other, other options for us, but Shadow's just such a... It's it's a real, like, we you sink your teeth into freeride. It's yeah. been there running over the, for over 20 years in there now. It's so. been a lot of people's proving grounds. I mean, you ride that cheerleaf with Glenn Leggett, and it's a history lesson. Exactly, <laughs> mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legs is actually one of our judges, and I get him in for the juniors be- so. because he's got that history there. Mm. And he's actually a really good judge and a great person to have around. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's not even touching his skills on the board. Exactly. So right. was he judging this year? Yeah, yeah. I just got him in for the junior events this year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, we sort of touched on. Oh well, before we leave Treble Cone, I sort of there was um, we sort of touched on full circle with Sally Norman, but there's also a bit more full circle with um, Drew Bray's daughter was entering. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, Drew Bray's daughter came along to TC. Yeah. It was her first ever event. Rita. Rita, yeah. Yep. yep. And, uh, yeah, a good lesson for everyone there as well. Because Rita, she's so tiny. She's such a little, little snowboarder. But she's got really good technique. You know her mum is a very solid rider. Because mm. she can use her edges and ride yeah. a snowboard. And there's a little bit of a discussion, actually, with the under 10 girl snowboarders at the end of the day. Because she actually had a butt check in her run. Mm. But she actually tried to jump off something. And she rode quite fluidly and used her edges really well. Mm. The other kid fell, fell did, didn't fall, sorry. But just didn't really do much in mm. the run. And in free ride, you've got to actually jump off something to earn points. Mm. You can't just side slip your way down a face. And yeah. that was a really neat discussion to have with the dad, Dan. Ross, who's a legend as well. Thanks, yep. Dan. And... Uh, just for them to learn, because mm. not many kids know how to, what we're looking for as judges on the on free ride, especially not snowboarders. Yeah. So to have a young young snowboarder in there and them learning a, from an experience like that was really really neat. Yeah. Mm. And good feedback for everyone. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's a good sign that someone like Jubray sees the value in your event too, mm. and because I think last um, last year we were talking that wasn't many snowboard kids and. Yeah. I don't know if the numbers were still that big, but it's like, well, surely that would sort of turn a bit more people towards them. Like, Jews sees the value, and I'm going to see mine. You know, yeah, I'd certainly hope so. We might see some growth in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 cool. yeah. Yeah, last year we were getting like maybe five kids to every event. Yeah. Olympus would be lucky to have one. Yeah. Um, and then this year we went from 11 at Remarks to 13 at TC and then back to 11 at Olympus. So mm. the numbers are slowly growing. Yeah. Um, obviously, we want to see a ton more snowboarders coming through because mm. it is a really neat pathway. And as I keep saying all the time, it's about inclusiveness. And mm. our sideways cousins, 
like just as friendly as an Australian cousin to us as well. Yeah. We want everyone there. Like we, we we don't discriminate if you stand sideways or if you have poles. Yeah. 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 And also uh, the Olympus event for the NZJFT. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that all go? We sort of touched on it before there, but yeah, yeah. So it was uh, not a great ending because poor um, Tom had to get heli backed out. But uh, again, a really good lesson. We actually had a educational day the day before. Um, so we actually had Anna Keeling, who's one of New Zealand's top mountain guides, there with her son. And we actually did an educational day the, the day before. So we taught kids how to self-arrest. We also taught them about aspects and why ski patrol closed certain aspects at club fields. So we're talking about the eastern aspects and why that closes at lunch because of the dangers of avalanche. And then why they close the western aspect at five o'clock because of those dangers. And just... A little intro into mountain safety. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you start talking about transceivers and probing for bodies, kids just, they're, they're already glazed over before we even start talking. Yeah. So, so it's pretty hard to keep 60 kids in um, attention spans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the event went really, really well. Um, we were pretty lucky that we had a really easy venue. Um, again, we have to make these big decisions on safety. And it was a, the venue at Mount Olympus is right next to the toe and then right in, right out next to the hut. Mm. So a real good spectacle for the public coming up on the day. We had 81 kids at Olympus competing. Wow, that's a lot more than last time, right? Oh, that's yeah, like almost 25, 30 more than normal. Jesus. Yeah, normally we, if I crack 50 there, I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> so to have 81 was like quite overwhelming for a start. Well, I was stoked to see um, Matt Woods was singing up there with his daughter. Yep. Yep. And it's like, again, it's a testament, I think, to the event that people with that experience see the value in it. Totally, mate. Yeah. Again, with Anna Keeling following us as well, there's so many parents that are now, that were pros and world champions in their disciplines, now bringing their kids into our tour and yeah. our events. It's really neat. Jeff Small's another one. Oh, wow. His little daughter won the overall. It's just so neat to see these people uh, bringing the next generation through. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool. And while we're on the subject of Mount Olympus, um, the start of the season, it was looking pretty touch and go for the Mount Olympus Freeride Open, or as we like to call it, the MoFo. Yeah. Um, then a little bit of Instagram love from a few characters, and then, holy shit, all spaces were full. Yeah, exactly. Um, MoFo hadn't happened in a few years because of closed borders. Um, it's normally about 70 to 75% internationals that compete right. because it, the MoFo is really a party disguised as an event. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all about, get, again, I'm, I, I will keep reiterating this. <laughs> it's about inclusiveness. It's about mm. getting everyone together and celebrating life in the mountains. And that's why I hold that event. Mm. And it was really neat to, uh, I almost pulled the pin. Like I was so, cl- I was pretty burnt out coming into the j- junior tour didn't know how successful it was all going to be and was a little bit worried actually that I was going to lose too much money and bankrupt myself for the junior tour. Put a little post out saying, hey, I've only got so amount, X amount of riders. I need this to break even. And within a week, we had the numbers, Sick. which was pretty awesome. And it wasn't it wasn't the usual suspects that you'd think would come and save the day for free ride. Really? It was actually the snowboarders. Wow. That came and saved the day for us. <laughs> I was so proud. And 
again, it wasn't always the usual, the normal usual suspects. Unfortunately, Rupert had passed away, and he was our number one supporter slash instigator to get mm. writers to come along. But it was great to have the likes of Reese and Ben Comber and Morgan and Gricey and just all those old dogs. Yeah. It was so rad to have them all there. Um, again, extremely proud that the snowboard community stepped up. Thank you to the crew at NZ Snowboarding as well. They put a post out. They shared our stuff. You shared our stuff. That's what that's what got us over the line. I was hyped to see at work. There was a couple of girls that were in, in the snowboard school at um, bringing their stuff in for a tune. Like, oh, we're we going up to the clothes. Oh, rad. What are you going to? Oh, we're we going for the mofo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah. Man, there was like quite the turnout from Kadrona Ski School. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel must have led a few people on. <laughs> but uh, again, so proud of the snowboarders mm. turning up. It's a real range, that event, and that's why I love it, because there's people that are, a lot of people, it was their first event. Mm. And then we had the likes of Reese and Nick Pasco and other people that have done competing for 10, 15 years. So. Mm. Always great to have that range and also the, to share the knowledge as well because mm. safety is paramount. Yeah. We got pretty skunked, unfortunately. It was really good conditions. We got like 25, 30 centimetres in the, in, the, in the resort. At 1am, the southerly hit. Oh, the no. night of the comp and it stripped the top half of the venue where all the features were. So oh. it was really wind-scoured and pretty icy and... Yeah, the snowboarders had a tough time. Yeah, yeah, everyone had a tough time, not just the snowboarders. But, man, we those snowboarders, everybody got a face shot coming out the bottom. <laughs> it, was, it was a celebration again. It was pretty yeah. rad. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, there's a signed bib that's now up on the wall at Olympus. Yeah, mate. Can we yeah. talk about that a little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, Rupo, rest in peace. Um, we, he stole a 69 bib off frontier many many moons ago <laughs> as as you do <laughs> and of course and uh when i was up in christchurch helping with the funeral arrangements and everything like that last year i found the bibs and i found his bib that he won for free ski open back in the day the first time he ever competed and i took it asked the parents obviously asked asked the mum and dad and the brother if i could take the bibs and i did and then i traveled around the country with it this year and got everyone to sign it so everyone that knew rupo has signed it that was involved mm. the bib's always going to be on the wall at olympus and if you know rupert and you see it there find a white pen and mark your name on it because he would love that um, so the 69 bib is up at rupert up at mount olympus and then the 39 bib that he won with is going back to his mum and dad cool yeah and while we're on the subject of rupert was there an award in one of your competitions that's named after him now there's actually two. There's actually two. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mount Olympus event, we had the Spirit Award, um, which is actually just a metal cylinder that fits a Smirnoff ice perfectly inside it. <laughs> so I got iced when I got it delivered, <laughs> which was ironic, because <laughs> that was one of Rupo's favourite games <laughs> with icing people. Um, so the, the Spirit Award could. And, and so we had the Spirit Award for the MoFo and then the Stoke Award for the Junior Tour. The Stoke Award I gave away at the end of the tour and then the MoFo one I gave out at the end of the comp. The Stoke, the Spirit Award at MoFo went to Andrew Pollard, who is a freeride world tour athlete from Utah. Sorry, he's from Alta, 
so sorry snowboarders <laughs> <laughs> but uh he came over and helped me with my tour this year he had some massive shoes to fill and i didn't tell him what shoes they were they were so apologies andrew but he did a really really good job he encompasses the spirit of free ride he was dressed as Pooh bear as a starter all day so giving people really good advice as well especially mm. the snowboarders uh and then the stoke award went to um a local wanaka kid called uh thomas benson his dad johnny runs base oh yeah. yep and he's a really good mountain biker but unfortunately thomas blew his knee pretty bad which were ended up being bone bruising from an old injury and he couldn't compete in the tour this year so he came along and was mc for every event he came along and stoked out his friends right. at every comp most kids would have a tantrum or bottom lip and not want to be there feel like they're missing out mm. but thomas came along and saved my bacon because <laughs> finding mcs is really hard mm. and he knows all those kids mm. so yeah yeah i tried to pay him but he wouldn't take any money so it was really really sweet to give him that award Right. Yeah, it's cool. Shout out Thomas. Shout out to Thomas, all right. Cool. And Te- tearing up, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I'm, yeah. trying, I'm trying so hard not to. <laughs> but, um, and I want to sort of go back to the Frontier mm-hmm. event, which is at Remarkables in the Altitudes. Yep. How did that go this year? Yeah, it was a, another raging success. It was awesome for um, the Winter Games to pick that back up. And the North Face, they fund so much money towards that. I'm not going to say exact numbers, but it's a lot of money to yeah. run that comp. And thank you, North Face and Marty and Joe from from Winter Games. Um, it was so it's part of Winter Games that thing. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Winter Games do Alpine Park and Free Ride. Right. Yeah. It's tough because we can't. We'd like to bring everyone together in those events, but it's very tough when it's mm. sanctioned events and people take stuff serious. So the two star event that we had, so these two two, two different days, is a two star low sanctioning. No, no prize money. Four star, high sanctioning, lots of money. Two star day was horrific conditions. Possibly the worst I've ever seen really? in Shadow Basin. Those poor snowboarders with one edge that looked so tough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was a run without a butt check, actually, because it was bad. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but there were no injuries. Everyone made really good decisions again. <clears throat> good, smart, good, smart riding. And then the four-star, somehow we magically always get some sort of weather before it. And we had a classic New Zealand powder day of two centimetres on Bulletproof. (laughs) Um, We actually let everyone get in and inspect it before the competition, which we don't normally do because we want to save the snow. But it was so bad, like slide for life in there, that we let people in. And then we got a skiff of snow and everyone rode really well. Mm. The reason why everyone rode well is because we... (laughs) We let Hank Billis and Finn Billis drop at the same time as a forerun, and they were did it, they did winning runs as a forerun. Right. So spinning off cliffs, riding fast, aggressive, and then Jamesa dropped and Manu dropped. So it was four World Tour athletes were forerunners. Yeah. So all these people watching were like, "Oh, it's on." Yeah. <laughs> it was rad. R&B took it out. It was so oh, sick to watch R&B. R&B come back and kill it. Yeah, yeah, it was rad. And Ronan was on the podium too, wasn't he? Yep, Ronan got second. Yep, Same. yep, purely because of a little um, bobble, little mistake in his run. 
that's how we separate and with the snowboarders but r&b was flawless mm. not necessarily the gnarliest run of the day but smooth styly rides his board so well big um, grin big grin on his face you see those pov lines and it's like well that guy knows how to ride a snowboard yeah. down faces he was yeah, literally riding his, he because they all camped the night before up there so the north face take a big crew up camp at the finish line had mm. some beers beer fit crew we went up with him as well he was riding lines till 2am mm. getting shots it's so rare to see <laughs> a dude like he's what my age I think mm. you know and to see a guy like that still frothing Oh, right until 2am absolute frother and we've been saying the same about Brent Screen this year too he's like 48 and did the TC cat track gap, gap yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know and he's just hammering it home this year yeah and for sure like, that's cool to see you know it's like rad that's the old dogs are still out there oh the old dogs know? still shred still too yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's yeah. the same in the ski community too oh 100% man mm. yeah those old boys are the ones and Heiner was kicking around for the frontier yeah, yeah. So Nick Heiner was uh, uh, was he the media coordinator for the day? He was definitely the, the, the top dog that I was talking to mm. about coordinating and timing and who was ready with radios, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it was his first one he's ever seen. Yeah. And he could not get over the atmosphere. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. So. One of the better vibes that we've had at the Frontier, but it, it grows every year. It's like a snowball effect with the crowds. Mm. And it's local community it's not the punters from remarks that traverse out and go what's going on here yeah people go there to watch it yeah and they take their own beers and they have a good time and and really really enjoy it there was actually endless sausages off the barbecue this year it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) but again it's that hospitality and that's what we try and put across in new zealand is yeah it's about community-based sport and and it's rad so to have heiner there from queenstown a local rider from Remarks, never seen the frontier before. It's nuts to think of his snowboard history I know. as long, rich and deep, yeah. that he's not experienced one before. Yeah, well, as, then, as we've talked earlier in this podcast as yeah. well, the natural progression for f- snowboarders is park mm. or one hit... Video? Yeah, one, one hit backcountry, good power, good snow conditions, not necessarily top to bottom venue runs yeah so yeah it was it was really 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 cool to have him there and i think there's going to be a bit of a push next year for more snowboarders to come along which is pretty rad um mm. but yeah just great to see nick's next smiling face and mm. give him some fist pumps and <laughs> do some neat interviews with him and because he's the man at media oh yeah like to have him involved like yeah yeah, yeah. now we're stepping up a like level. all those diaries down under episodes and stuff oh man i watched them yeah. religiously dude yeah. they're so good and the yeah. new bike ones he was doing last summer <laughs> was so sick like yeah, yeah. Those boys got it going Addictive, on. Addictive, eh? Oh, like, yeah. I yeah, can't yeah. wait to see the next one and the next one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so going forward, um, how's the future looking there, Dion? Yeah, well, going forward, the, the NZJFT, uh, we'll be back to a four-stop tour. Unfortunately, we didn't get to go up to Turoa this year. Um, they obviously, Mother Nature had other ideas for skiing in the North Island this year. Mm. Um, they were all about it though. We were going to get free passes for staff, athletes, and parents wow. to go to Turaua. Wow. And then we were talking about hospitality with food, meals, all that kind of stuff as well. Activities up there for free for everyone. They want us back pretty bad. Mm. And there's a big, big uh, population up there mm. that we can capture and, and watch. 
So that that's really what we're going to go for next year. It'll be two, two events in the Southern Lakes, one event at Olympus, and then one up at Turoa. Well, that's a good tour, though. That covers a lot of bases. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I'm going to spread it as well. So I'm going to do a couple in August and then a couple at the end of September mm. so that people can utilize the winter. Because the last thing I want to do is make people go to competitions week on, week on, week on, week yeah. on, if you know what I mean. We snowboard and ski to snowboard and ski with our families and our friends, and that's what it's about. Mm. So I don't want to create a tour that's eight or nine stops. Yeah. And there's also coaching programs that these kids are in, and they need to get their money's worth out of those. Mm. So that's where we were looking for that. And then for the MoFo, there will be some big, pretty big changes for that going on next year. It's 100% coming back. Mm. Uh, old dogs, there will probably be a Masters division. So sign up. What's, what's the age for a Masters division these days? I think we're going to do it from 35. Huh. So uh, there's a few few younger old dogs <laughs> that can come and uh join in with the with the old boys and not have as much pressure on them mm. um but we'll, we'll play it by ear yeah there's a few there's a few there's a few gray-haired ones out there that have asking me to do a veterans category as well oh, <laughs> um something i want to bring for the mofo though and if we get the right conditions is a powder rate competition because oh wow who doesn't love doing squiggles and power <laughs> <laughs> And if we can have other people laughing at it, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was actually talking to Bronnie from um, from Harris today, saying mm. how can we get a world a world tour of powder eights going again? Oh, speak, speak to Guy Alty. He used to do powder eights with the Zohau competition. I remember. Yeah. I remember. I, I've heard that. I heard that one on the long haul home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, Guy, we should link up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keen ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also going forward, I'm actually now going to be based out of uh, Le Charbe slash Verbier in Switzerland. Um, sorry, guys, I already have a lot of people coming to stay on my couch, so hit me up next year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, that's, I'm going to actually take a step back from judging now. Um, it's, it's time for the next generation to come through, and the, the sport's changing pretty quickly. Um, not that I want to stop doing it, but I've kind of had my hand forced in a way that um, I need to do this. So mm. I need to do it for myself. I need to have some, just settle settle a bit, actually. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm on to winter 39 in a row now. Yeah. So it's been 18 years. Yeah, winters are nearly getting to your age. Yeah. yeah I'm getting pretty old, mate. <laughs> I'm, uh, like, I love it, and I love traveling, and I love being a part of the sport. Um, just need some stability in my life though and i need to finally make some money um mm. ironically i can't live in southern lakes and do that yeah. <laughs> i have to do it in switzerland <laughs> I mean, that's so that's such a bizarre sentence right isn't, it? There, isn't it so the irony in it is just ridiculous um mm. and especially with the the cost of living in switzerland the difference is, is they pay us what we're worth yeah um i'm actually going to work with some very very good friends um dan bond is mm. is a, is a big name snowboarder from Canterbury and he's actually going to be my boss this year so I'm going to mm. do exactly what I did with you Tony and I'm going to work in a rental shop and throw boots at people and have a great time. <laughs> and I even heard a rumour that there might be a um, the site of Dion Newport standing sideways on the snow again. Yeah mate yeah I am pumped to get a snowboard. I well, like anyone in the ski industry that works and skis for or snowboards for a job you get pretty burnt out and you don't ski a lot for yourself. Mm. So 
for me to cure this, I'm going to actually get myself a nice pair of snowboard boots. And then I've got fleets of snowboards out of the shop that I can just take on my lunch breaks. Hmm. It's been a long time since I've snowboarded seriously. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm really going to look forward to it. Hmm. Yeah. So I think the last time we were saying how whiteboards were be- terrible back then, and they were. Yeah, exactly. But now they're awesome. That's, <laughs> fuck, that's quite a while ago. Oh, that's uh, yeah. it's, it's before most of the kids on the junior tour were alive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. It'll be fun to do that on bad days power days and spring days mm. like snowboarding is just great in general mm. and it's just going to be fun to get some some vibe back into my own riding yeah yeah rather than trying to chase world tour riders and scare the crap out of myself every single day because <laughs> i've never been one of those exposure friendly rider mm. so it's going to be fun just to jib around and have a good time mm. yeah, yeah yeah looking forward to it Cool. Right, well, that sounds like a good plan going forward, Dee. So good to have you back in the booth. Thank you so much for coming back on. And we'll see you here next winter. Anyone that's listening, um, be ready for when these events drop to get involved next winter. The Freeride community wants you. Yeah, for sure. Let's, uh, we'll hopefully get those dates out there nice and early for everyone. Everyone can plan their winters nice and early. And uh, unfortunately, we will always clash with some other event. But it's just the way it is with New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me in here, Tony. I love your work, mate. I love listening to these podcasts. I do usually save them for long road trips, which are about to start tomorrow, so I'll be listening to some. And uh, what you do with bringing this community together is phenomenal. Thank you. And I look forward to having you at one of our events next year. And much love, snowboard community. Thanks for listening. Mm